Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's Beck Betraitis and Alistair Trombley Birchall. Hello! Good day, mates. <laughs> Hello! Oh, an Australian is in the room. Hello, yes, Whoa. that is I, Mr. Australia. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh. From Melbourne. Oh, we don't have to get a bit goodness. of character work on the pod. I'm enjoying it already. Yeah. What, um, what, what happens in Australia? Oh, I was just riding a wombat to <laughs> my... Uh, to Gallipoli. I don't think that's in Australia. I know. I know. Well, I was running away. Back back towards Australia. (laughs) (laughs) I meant, yeah. And so anyway, it's been really great. Any political commentary? Yes. Lots of it. Yeah, yeah. Who are the good guys? Who are the good guys in in Australia? Um, We really love... The kangaroos. <laughs> we oh. really don't mind the spiders because we're tough people. Right. I think this Australian is avoiding the question. Mm. I think he's trying to use goofs <laughs> to not. I think. Do you think he's a centrist? Yeah. Well, who are the bad guys? Maybe we can ask that. Yeah, maybe the bad hey, guys. I think that there's bad guys on all sides. Oh no, <laughs> he is not an Australian centrist. I'm actually an Australian triangle. I think that there's bad guys on all three sides. <laughs> 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 and scene fantastic stuff there bit. a great start to the show uh, Alistair feel so privileged feel, to have you here yeah. and feel so privileged to cut that out if you like <laughs> <laughs> Beck any characters you want to bring to the show right up top yeah uh, Jenny <laughs> two hands <laughs> Jenny two hands yeah Jenny, Jenny what's, what's how many hands do you have I've got two oh, okay. <laughs> well, is that surprising. the normal amount you really pride yourself on that, Jenny, huh? I, I don't just, know. Is I there anything different about your hands? No! <laughs> and, I'm uh, shaking them well, around. That's interesting. You can't yeah, hear yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, the way yeah. that you move them, yeah, why do you, you move them like them? that? Like well, I just feel like it's important to just look at my hands. Yeah. Well, Jenny, let me ask you a question. Who are the bad guys? The liberals. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, there we go. Jenny's yeah. Jenny's picking a side. Now, Two hands, one side. Now, of course, any Americans listening to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Large L liberal. Large L liberal. No, actually, no small L liberal. Jenny's wild. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> yeah, that was a twist. Yeah. yeah. Of course, nobody in America knows what large L and small L means. No. Right? With regards to these <laughs> we haven't explained that enough, but that's okay. That's fun. It's I'm nice a- to Google things sometimes when you're listening to a podcast. You're right. When I you're like- driving, especially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Siri, put my phone in my hand so I can look at it. <laughs> well, we're here to talk about a book, but before we do that, we can quickly talk about how we're all doing shows at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. I've dragged you away from time, I'm sure, otherwise you would be writing and diligently rehearsing. Is that right? That's what I was doing at home when you called. I knew that. And before running over here. <laughs> yeah. 
I appreciate was, you. I was rehearsing. I was looking in the mirror with a with a um, um, you know a, a, a hairbrush as my microphone. <laughs> I thought you forgot the word microphone. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. so worried about it. No, the show and, is. Uh, what is that thing? Yeah, oh, oh, that's the one thing you have in stand up. That's exactly. the only piece of equipment. Well, not on not on my show. You'll okay. see that there's lots of different gidgets and, and, and the widgets and mostly hairbrushes. Yeah, hairbrushes. You know, there's. Uh, Tooth combs, fine tooth combs. <laughs> I mean a toothbrush. <laughs> Sorry. The finest of all combs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm doing a comedy festival show. My comedy festival show is called Alistair Trombley Virtual No Relation. It's very good. <laughs> Which is a great title. Yeah. You got a great image. Um, you, I can't even explain what you're doing with your lips, but I'm it's pinching my lips in some way. Truly, something poster. that has never occurred before. I've never seen it photographed. It's like a new. It's, it's a new expression. I'm so glad that you guys have. You know, it's groundbreaking. I yeah, mean, I took the photo, so I really wanted to just get in there. And go, I did a really good job. Actually. Yeah, it's a great photo, Beck. <laughs> Thank you so People much. People are saying it's a groundbreaking, stupid look on someone's face. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's done a look this stupid. And <laughs> Many people are saying that about the content of my show. So please ah, come and see. No one's ever looked so stupid. Yeah. Can you come see that face live? Come and see my face live. That's cool. Uh, I will pinch my lips for you. For the hour? Uh, I will do it for some of the hour. Yeah, okay. Great. Yeah. And, Beck, you're doing a show as well. Yes, it's a, called... A festive show, right? It's a festive show. It's called Merry. I really think people are going to think it was a Christmas show and, um, <laughs> like, the posters of stayed up too long and i think this is gonna bite me in the butt <laughs> it is about christmas but it's during march and april yeah, you really have to emphasize the date yeah the i'm really gonna have to go but it's about a bad christmas i had so come along you're not having the bad christmas i'm having the bad christmas yeah, it's right. already happened that's the gift it happened in the past i'm fine now it's bad christmas in april march yeah that's the tradition mm. <laughs> when we all reflect was that what was bad about the first christmas that you had that yeah christmas? i stuffed up the date i was like yeah. oh no i've made a big turkey and it's march 27 <laughs> Did you try to have Christmas on Easter? Oh, you know it, baby. You, you, you know, it's like, oh, was it when Jesus was born or died? Oh, I also get confused about that, which yeah, I know is yeah. very... Yeah. I got mixed up. Not great for a lot of people. Well, we know now that today's book isn't the Bible. Oh. <laughs> no! Every week, up. it could be, oh. but not today. No. Oh, well, at least maybe it's not the New Testament. <laughs> no, that's right. I haven't got there. You spoiled it for me. Oh. <laughs> Jesus was born. Oh, no. Spoiler alert. Well, I'm going to do a big reveal here. I should also say I'm doing a show called uh, Even Hotter in Real Life. And I've also got a photo taken by Beck. So thank oh, you so much. Was it about- on the poster. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, so come along to see all our comedy festival shows. But we're speaking about Christmas for a second here because the book I've got I received <gasps> for Christmas. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I thought it was going to be. You're a- revealing it out of a bag. I'm pulling it out of this a bag. This has never happened before. I'm no, excited. I'm trying to make sure this you is- oh. What's in the bag? The what's book? in the bag? What's in that bag? Here we go. The book that I am talking about this week is Rebecca. Oh, my God. That's me. I was in the bag. And I made sure that you were on this episode for this very reveal. Wow. And why did you make sure that I was on this episode? (laughs) Because I like you. Oh, thank you. That's really nice. (laughs) Alistair's, I'm doing the the book book of Alistair next week. Yep. Unfortunately. Andy Matthews on the Oh, well, that's fine too. Yeah. You know, he's basically the other, the good half of my brain. <laughs> I never, I've never read this book. Do you know anything about it? Like, has anyone ever I referenced have... it to you being your name? No, I've just looked at it in shops and gone, that's a me. Al, have you heard of Rebecca? I've never heard of Rebecca. By Is it Daphne, Daphne de Maurier? Oh, what a French? name. Uh, no, an English author. This is a lovely copy you have as well, which is hard to. Yes, I got this for, for, for Christmas. Hear that, hear that guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love a, love a hardback. You can take it 
It's, it obviously weighs a bit more, but it yeah. doesn't get ruined in a backpack. So I like about that. So uh, that this episode sponsored by Hardback. That's the difference between me and the book, Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> you put me in a backpack, destroy. No hardback. I mean, back it will be ru- ruined even outside of a backpack. <laughs> you can just find her anywhere. And she's like, oh. <laughs> we were discussing my diet at length yeah. before this, but that's my, that's my, let's get on the book. The book, what's well, people suggest I do these books, and I'd like to thank these people right now. It's quite—it turns out to be quite a popular book. Mm. A lot of people suggested this, so I apologise in advance for this long list of names, but I want to thank them all. And each name better than the last. I love that. No offence to the first name, which is a fantastic one, nonetheless. Ruby Sutherland suggested oh, this. That is a beautiful name. name. I like it. Yeah. Sam Jones, David Loring. Thank you to Sophie, Tessa Strickland, Amber McDaniel, oh. Grace Brooks, Yusuf, Miriam White. Lean Hoynes Miriam or Lenny Hoynes. Miriam White sounds like a book publisher. Mm. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> uh, Lenny Hoynes, I apologise for that. I believe you're from Norway. I'm sorry if I've said that wrong. Jacob Belcher. Oh, I love that. That's a great name. Yeah. Eden Mose. I actually have a fake email of a fake person no. that uh, the last name is Belcher. <laughs> why? Do, can why? we ask why you have a fake email? I think at some point I created it. Because I needed to like send out a press release or something like that that wasn't from me. Oh, that yeah. is so much smarter than I have a fake email. Yeah. <laughs> but it's blep pablatus. Blep pablatus, yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make this. No one's going to find me. Yeah. <laughs> but you went with the most respected name. No offense to Jacob Belcher, but Belcher. You <laughs> yeah. This is, the, yeah, this the is my publicist's name. That's right. I love it. <laughs> Eden Mose, Betsy Nuchatelli, and finally Vivian. Paduch. Oh, Paduch. Oh. <laughs> it could be Paduch. It's P-A-D-U-C-H, but Paduch. I'm going with I love that. Yeah. His name. Oh, man. I wish I could change my kids' names to Paduch. Both of them Paduch. You can. <laughs> Paduch Belcher. They're your kids. No, I don't know if I change can Change them right now. Born. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah come on. That's your Get power. That's your right. Paduch, last name. Like Paduch is the first name, right? Yeah, Paduch. Yeah. yeah. Paduch the first name. I might change my name to Paduch. Paduch Trumpet Bachelor. Yeah, that's what Do my like, show's about. <laughs> Not really. Have you printed the post yet? Well, it's time to change your name then. Yeah, all right. That's fine. I mean, I've already paid the graphic design guy. No. But I can just write just it. Just write pen. it on Sharpie. That's right. Yeah, okay. So, Rebecca, it's a 1938 gothic novel <gasps> by English author Daphne du Maurier. A bestseller which has never gone out of print since 1938. Really? By 1965, it had already sold 3 million copies. That's too many. That's, there wasn't even 3 million people. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> that point. that's people like they got the, the hardback and also softback. Softback. <laughs> uh, Rebecca, it's been adapted many times to movies, most famously in 1940 by Alfred Hitchcock. Oh. Ooh. It was Hitchcock's first Hollywood film after he moved over to America and starred Joan Fontaine and Laurence Olivier and went on to win the Academy Award for Best Picture, the big one. Holy moly. Yeah. How have I not heard about this? <laughs> yeah, I know. Huge. Also, Rebecca won an Oscar. That's pretty good for me. Yeah, yeah well done, Rebecca. I could say that. I should you're, put those on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're only a few away from an egot. <gasps> yeah, you're so close. Oh, did they get Did they get a Tony? Is there a musical version of Rebecca? I don't believe so oh. far, but there's been a lot of adaptations. There was a Netflix one a couple of years ago they made a movie with Army Hammer. Really? Oh. Yeah. Did he eat anybody in this book? We'll find out. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Hitchcock had earlier adapted De Maurier's Jamaica Inn and later made The Birds, 
which is based on her short story. Really? What? Called The Birds. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about Demoria. Yeah. yeah. And her other novels include Frenchman's Creek, Hungry Hill, and My Cousin Rachel. Oh. It's another movie. <laughs> None of those sound real. Hungry they Hill. Sound like Hungry Hill. Put it in a show. Uh, Frenchman's Creek and Hungry Hill, especially. Hungry Hill is. I didn't look at what that sounds like. That sounds like a horror film of a hill that eats you. I love it. Yeah. And my, my instinct is to, every time you say Hungry Hill, I think, Hungry, Hungry Hill. <laughs> I also think that. Yeah. I would love to see a, a hill eat people in a movie, oh, Hungry Hippo style. Like, hippo. like it just rises <sighs> up and then it goes. <sighs> they haven't made a Hungry, Hungry Hippo movie yet, have they? So yeah, but you, someone someone definitely owns the yeah. idea. Yeah. Four, like four hippos on the corners of, of a city <laughs> yeah. like that. So and they just in. like the island of Manhattan <gasps> and they're tipping the island. <laughs> oh. And the rock has to try and yeah. defeat them. Exactly. I mean, yeah. hippos are scary. Very scary. I feel like you it's a fair, uh, it would be a great horror film, a Hungry Hungry Hippo mm, horror film. Absolutely. It'd be very good. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, we've already said too much. Four hippos <laughs> and they're hungry. <laughs> Uh, so you have a hungry hill. I've looked it up. It is the family saga is based on the history of Irish ancestors of Daphne de Maurier's friend Christopher Puxley. Oh no! This is a f- this is about people who are sitting on a hill and they are hungry. Yeah. This isn't a funny oh. romp where pe- where a hill eats people. We don't know yet. Okay, know. Right. I'll do that another time. I'll get you guys back for Hungry Hill yes. and Frenchman's Creek. But I refuse to do my cousin Rachel. Ugh. Uh, Demoria came from a famous family. Her parents were in showbiz. One sister became an actress, the other a painter. Her uncle was a playwright and her grandfather was a writer and cartoonist. But possibly most interestingly, she was a cousin of the Llewellyn Davies boys who were J.M. Barry's inspiration for the characters in the play Peter Pan. Oh. Whoa. She knew the... This is all too connected. Yeah. Sometimes I... I'm like, real life is not believable. I think it, you know, yeah. do it. People can't all be connected. It, 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 could it be that they're all well-to-do? Would you say that they're a little bit well-to-do? I have not heard someone say the sentence well-to-do. <laughs> well, I like it. Time. I love yeah. that. Is it because you know? Is that why? Like, if you're yeah. if you're around 1938 and you're and you're sort of you got some free time to write a book, where you're not working mm. yet, and you so you write a book. Is it because you're well-to-do? Maybe. And her her father was Sir Gerald de Maurier. Yeah, that sounds. <laughs> cool. These are nepo babies from Sir. the early 20th mm. century. Absolutely, but. Not everyone was writing novels that are still published. So That's great true. work, Rebecca. And let Every us time you say something about Rebecca, I'm like, I've done. No, thank you. <laughs> I love it. I'm getting <laughs> some borrowed serotonin that is not mine. That's fine. Take what you can get. Yeah. Now, we always start with the opening line of the book, and this is one of the most famous opening lines there is. This is a, an acclaimed opening line. See what you think of this. Can I is guess this? what it is? Yes. Hey, Rebecca, what are you up to today? <laughs> no, I'm afraid. Oh, okay. Oh. Wait, can, can Rebecca come out and play? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> closer. Oh, okay. Let's can Rebecca no. come out and play <laughs> no, there's closer? No, there's no Rebecca mentioned, I'm afraid. Okay. But it rolls off the tongue, this phrase, and see if you like it. Here's the opening line. <clears throat> Last night I dreamt I went to Manderley again. It did roll off your tongue. Yeah. Where's Matt? What's Manderley? Oh, that's what's it's intriguing. That's You're nice. like, what the hell is she talking? Mm. Last night I dreamt I went to Mandalay again. Ooh. Yeah, that means she's been before, mm. and we might find out. Yeah, but what, what happened then? And but why any does guesses? She want what do you back? think Mandalay is? Um, well, my immediate thing was Mandalay Bay, which I believe is a hotel in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is she dreaming of a hotel in Las Vegas? But she, she s- said the wrong <gasps> thing. Really? Is that what it actually is? No. Oh. <laughs> 
I'm so sorry. But also, what a what an opener to go. I'm going to tell you about a dream I had. Snore, Rebecca. Yeah. Shut up. Um, no I, it does open with a big dream, dream sequence. It oh, really does. Why? Yeah. Which I know often people find dreams very tedious, but this this I'm telling you, people one. have written essays and studies on this line. It's one of those. Well, mm. Is it is it an island? No, that's a good guess too. Yeah, thank you. Is um, it? Is it? Um, is it? Uh, is it? Is Mandalay a person? Like I went to them. Oh, okay, like a wise old sage, yeah. man. Yeah, maybe. No. Is it a dog? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's like a dog that talks. Yeah. Is it a hill that's hungry? Yeah. Yeah, she was, had a one-track mind. Yeah. <laughs> she ran of ideas earlier. Yeah. Okay, let me tell you about it. Last night I dreamt I went to Mandalay again. And more off, we've just met Anna Raider there who was telling us about a dream where she visited her old house, Mandalay. Oh, oh a huge English mansion on a large estate. But in her dream, it's quiet now. There's no smoke in the chimney. The well-maintained garden has become overgrown and no one is home. Oh. She sounds a little bit well-to-do. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> very well-to-do. Mm. So this is like a very famous homestead in the area for sure. The narrator realises in the dream that she will soon wake up and remember that she is far away from Anderley at a hotel overseas... And when she wakes up, she will choose not to share her dream. This is what the book says. We would not talk of Mandalay. I would not tell my dream. For Mandalay was no was ours no longer. Mandalay was no more. Oh. How ironic that she says she wouldn't speak of it, but yet she writes it into a book yeah, that is published nonstop from 1938 <laughs> yeah, to the present millions day. Millions of copies. <laughs> But we're left wondering what's happened to her and what's happened to Mandalay and why wouldn't she share her dream? Mm. Is it to spare her partner because it's dull? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always think, you know, like sharing a, a, a dream idea in a book seems like, well, I, I say I'm not worried about it being so boring because you're already reading fiction, which is essentially someone's a dream. dream. Yeah. It's essentially a dream on, on purpose, you know, so... Oh. Um, so then you may as well put a dream in So a dream in a dream. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Whereas I don't share my dreams because all my dreams someone dies and I think people will think I'm spooky. <laughs> oh, it's the people you know too. Yeah, I don't have many dreams, but most of the dreams I have, someone someone, someone goes. Have I ever died in one of your dreams? Tell is, me. Is that the ultimate compliment? Tell me how I died. It's <laughs> <laughs> a secret for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, how do I die? I don't want to bore you Tell me how I go. <laughs> I need to know. I think about it all the time. <laughs> have you ever dreamt of my death? No. Does that mean I'll live forever? Yeah, I think so. Confirmed. Oh. Congratulations. I'm so, Thank you. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you die every night. How is it bad that I feel like you maybe have died in one of my dreams, but I can't remember that's cool. how. That's okay. Wow. No, that hurt. I feel like that's a bad. I should remember how my friends die in my if dreams. Ever you, if ever I die in your dream, could you take a note? Yeah. If, uh, I'll in, text in the you. Future. Yeah, Next text time. me. Yeah, okay. Just, just text car accident <laughs> or whatever. Just text, <laughs> yeah. No context. Don't give me context. No context. Just yeah, tell no. Me how. No, that's. um. That's a great way to communicate with your friends. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so she's having this dream. Okay. okay. We learn that the narrator is travelling through Europe with her as yet unnamed husband, avoiding expensive hotels to avoid running into anyone they might know. He doesn't have a name. Could call him that name from earlier. What was it? Pad- Padouche? Padouche. Padouche. Yeah. Perfect name. Padouche Give him Belcher. that name. Yeah. Well, how, actually, we will learn his name, <gasps> but we will never learn our narrator's name. <gasps> Stays a mystery throughout the whole novel. She's not Rebecca. What? No. Oh. You're left wondering who is. Who is Rebecca? We'll find out. Oh. oh. Right after this, mess, this message. <laughs> so something has clearly happened to startle the woman and her husband. She writes, we can never go back again. That much is certain. The past is still 
too close to us, the things we have tried to forget and put behind us would stir again, and that sense of fear, of furtive unrest, struggling at length to blind, unreasoning panic, now mercifully stilled, thank God, might in some manner unforeseen become a living companion as it had been before. Mm. So she's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pass off a yawn as a new. Oh, oh. interesting. <laughs> That's so funny. Hey, you can yawn and find something interesting yeah. at the same time. I don't disagree. This is funny. I, we, I had a, a legal studies teacher in high school who would yell at people and send them out of the classroom for disrespect if they yawned in her class. <gasps> Even though sometimes it's an early morning class, people just need to oh, yawn. Yeah. I was asleep. She took all, it personally. All of one of my maths classes. That's insane. And in the front row. But I have my hand in front of my eyes like this, like, and, and the, I think the teacher knew. I think she just knew I needed a nap. Anyway, I feel like this this is a mysterious opening. It is mysterious, yeah. isn't it? And what's I, happened to these people? They so they're not talking about where they came from. Mm. They're not talking about what's happening. Why are they overseas? I mean, that sounds nice. But so, but she says that that. She can't go back, but she wants to go back. Oh no, she had a dream, but that she did go back. Like, yeah, yeah, in the but dream, but can't. but she knows now that she can't go back because everything's a bit better now because they left. But if she went back, it would stir up right. the trouble again. Right. She says, and the narrator says they've conquered their demons and come through the crisis, and now they are together without any secrets. Everything is shared except the fact that she has a dream about Mandalay. She will yeah. not share that part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they live a simple life now, her and her husband, reading the paper to keep track of cricket teams. She thinks of their old life, missing her dog Jasper, and thinks of two people she used to know and wonders where they are now. First is a man called Favel. (laughs) I mean, cool. Mr. Favel. And also a woman named Mrs. Danvers. Hmm. They should hook up. (laughs) Favel and Danvers. They sound hot. Yeah. I'd love to see it. Okay, get them together. Yeah. From the get-go, the narrator says she thought Mrs. Danvers always compared her to Rebecca. Oh, is this the first First mention, mention of Rebecca? Rebecca feels very good. First mention. Mm. She, the narrator, this is, laughs at the timid person she was when she first arrived at Mandalay in comparison to the person she has since become. So a few things are drip-fed to us. Yeah. We're like, what's going on? And then we transition slowly to a flashback. <gasps> Whoa. We're, are we back at Mandalay? No, before Mandalay. And basically the rest of the story is this one flashback moving forward. Yeah. Oh, so really the start was a flash forward. Yeah, a little, little bit of a um, where, they, where are they now? What are they? What movies do they do that in? Heroes? No, um, that's a TV oh, show. Oh, no, uh, the Titanic. The Titanic. Yes. Oh, the Titanic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> are you whistling with your mouth open? Yeah, what, what's happening? How yeah. are you doing that? I just need to find a way to be able to smile and whistle at yeah, the same I time know. so it's... that you guys don't think I'm upset with you. <laughs> you're right because this if you do whistle with your mouth closed, it does look like you're surprised at the person. That's right. But you're fully a... mouth smiling. Yeah, yeah, Incredible. I'm just whistling through my teeth. Is that going through the teeth? Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it either. My teeth aren't musical at all. No, musical teeth. <laughs> so... Titanic style flashback. Yes, yeah. that's what they call it. <laughs> the narrator, whose name we never learn, used to work as an assistant to an older, wealthy American socialite called Mrs. Van Hopper. Ooh. Oh, I like that name. 
She was part assistant, part companion to this woman, having lunch and the like with her, but also carrying her bags and that sort of stuff. Walking her tiny dog. Yes, little um, errands like yeah, that. Looking after her bag collection. Cancelling her one o'clock. Um, de- Organising DJ sets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, festivals. Yeah. Couldn't remember the name of any festivals just then. Fe- Etc. Festivals. Too many to name. Bonnaroo. Do we know what country we're in? So this is in Monaco. Oh. Right. I know. Is that a Monica. European country yeah, or an African we're, country? We're, we're yes, it's so the one of that. That's a very small country in the French Riviera. That's right. Ah, okay. okay. I always get Monaco and Morocco mixed up. <laughs> right. Yes. No, this is the one where, uh, you know, it's very well to do. People go there for the tax exempt status, and there's also casinos and yachts and boats, and they're actually at a, they're at a very expensive hotel. That's where they are for this. Right. Mm. And the power imbalance is always obvious between Mrs. Van Hopper and our unnamed narrator, because Mrs. Van Hopper, she's an awful gossip and just to be honest, a pretty awful person. Holy crap. Is this White Lotus? This is what happens in White Lotus. It does sound a lot like... This uh, is White Lotus. This is a, a very much a Porsche... White Lotus. ...relationship. Wow. Wow. With Tonya. Jennifer Coolidge. Tonya. Jennifer Coolidge. That's right. Name. So it actually, you can imagine <laughs> those two people, but I yeah. think Mrs. Van Hopper mm. is even maybe slightly older even. She's a real social climber, but she's always uh, she's so self-absorbed that she doesn't realise that people often attempt to avoid her. Oh. Yeah, right. And she walks all over her assistant, who is very shy and timid and wears homemade clothes, even when accompanying Mrs. Van Hopper to this very expensive hotel in Monte Carlo. So there's a there's a real difference between these two women when they're walking together. Van Hopper is always on the lookout for famous people that she can schmooze and suck up to and points out to her assistant, our narrator, a man called Maxime. De Winter. Ooh. Who she says is the owner of Mandalay. <gasps> oh. The place from the start. <laughs> That's right. Maxim De Winter. He owns Mandalay. And according to the gossip, he is upset about the death of his wife who died only just last year. That's good that he's upset. Oh, yeah, what that is great, good. That's weird gossip to be like, have you heard that he's upset about his wife? <laughs> very suspicious. What's that about? I don't get it at all. Well, but it also means that there's an opening. Yeah, that's right. There's wife. no Mrs. De Winter. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Al hears every time someone's wife. Yeah. Oh, someone's wife's died from a long time. Yeah. Alice, yeah. get in there. Everyone else says, I'm so sorry. And Al's like, Formidably cute. <laughs> <laughs> so Mrs. Van Hopper bails up the poor Maxim de Winter and they get tea at the hotel because he cannot get away. And Mrs. Van Hopper tries to exclude the narrator because she's sort of sitting awkwardly there. But Maxim invites the assistant to join them. Mm. Oh, what would you like to drink? Mm. Starts talking to her. Van Hopper starts talking about Mandalay and how lovely she's heard it is and how she'd love to visit one day. And Maxim clearly is very uncomfortable talking about Mandalay at all, but Mrs. Van Hopper doesn't take a hint and she just keeps on talking at him. Yep. Yes, yeah, so you, you're imagining that's, the type of character that yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely you are. The vibe. And uh, Maxim, he's like very bored by that, so he asks the narrator, the assistant, how she's liking Monte Carlo. But Mrs. Van Hopper cuts her off again. And monopolises the conversation. So she's like, oh, I'll answer for her. You don't want to talk to her. She's boring. Don't worry about her. Maxim attempts a few jokes at Mrs. Van Hopper's expense to put her in her place, but she doesn't uh, get the jibes that he's saying. <laughs> and thankfully the whole conversation is wrapped up when Mrs. Van Hopper's dressmaker arrives and she's called away. It's all very awkward. But the assistant's sitting there cringing like crazy. Yeah. She's uh, yep. finding it pretty awful to watch. 
And even though she spoke the whole time and didn't let her assistant get a word in, Mrs. Van Hopper says to her afterwards in the lift, by the way, dear, don't think I mean to be unkind, but you put yourself just a teeny bit forward this afternoon. Your efforts to monopolise the conversation quite embarrassed me, and I'm sure it did him. Men loathe that sort of thing. Oh, <laughs> She's like, I didn't say anything. Yeah. yeah. You, you spoke for me. These people still exist. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's, she's being a bit icky, would you say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yuck, Not yuck, a fan. Yucky. And it's all quite funny because later that day a note is delivered to the narrator in her hotel room from Maxim de Winter apologising to her for being so rude during the day. All it says is, forgive me, I was very rude this afternoon. And it, it's noted that the narrator's name was spelled correctly on the envelope which she's surprised at because no one ever spells her name correctly. But we never learn what the name is. Oh, Bit of fun there. That is really You can fun. imagine what it could be. I mean, people really struggle to spell my name correctly. I wonder if her name is Petratus. <laughs> that would Petratus. be a big, cool, big yeah. coincidence if both my names were in this that book. That would be amazing. I, mean, I would love that. Yeah, is that enough of a clue for us to figure out what name it could be? Mm. So we know that it's not like it's not like, like Rebecca, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, because we can exclude Rebecca. Yeah, well, Rebecca, definitely. Yeah, that's you know, dumb. there's actually like a lot of names that you could exclude. Yeah, <laughs> like Mary, Mary. Not people aren't misspelling that. Mm. Well, maybe. Yeah, they are. Like Mary with three R's. That's, yeah, that's yes. not that. I guess the problem with someone's imagination is that the name could also not exist. You could have a series of F's, and that's the person's name. That's true. I it's, wish Daphne, the author, was still alive, so we could bail her up and ask her. Yeah. Just, yeah. What's her name? What is it? What were you thinking? Probably has, some, <laughs> probably has some grandkids that we could still. Yeah. Have you found any documents in Grandma's house? <laughs> Time to harass some people yeah. on Twitter. So the next day, Mrs. Van Hopper wakes up with the flu, Ugh. and the doctor orders her to stay in bed with the nurse on call. So the narrator. Has the day to herself. Hell yeah. Hello. Living it up in Monte Carlo, baby. Time to meet up with Maxime. Well, she goes to the hotel's dining room for lunch and you're never going to believe who's there. <gasps> Mrs. Mac, Mr. Maxime de Winter. And she thinks about running away before he sees her. Which, when reading this book, I found this character so infuriating because I related to her so much. Yeah. She constantly overthinks and worries about things. And I've definitely seen people I know on the street before and thought... What if they don't recognise me? Yeah. Maybe it's easier if I just duck down this alleyway and face this wall yeah. for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you end up talking to them and they're like, hey, how are you? And they're so friendly you feel I felt like such an idiot for even considering sure. that. Dave, but... you're like an NPC in a video <laughs> yeah. game. Oh, 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 they'll never remember me. Just I'll, just, I'll just be in position to their, their whole day. I'll just, I'll just face this wall yeah. for a few minutes. <laughs> I'll just hold my phone up really high in front of my face. And, and then they'll see and be like, are you taking a photo of me? Dave? <laughs> oh, hello. So, yeah, I, there were many moments in this book where she does things like that. Now I'm like, you are so annoying. It's because I would do that. But oh, she does, no. she sits down at the at a table in the same restaurant. Yeah. And she nervously knocks over a vase and spills water all over a napkin. She's like, oh, God, I'm freaking out here. And Maxim rushes over and invites her to join him for lunch, which she awkwardly tries to refuse, thinking as if, she even says to, to him, you're very kind, but I know you don't want to have lunch with me. And he, he's like, no, I do. Please come over and sit. If you think it's going to be awkward, we don't even have to talk. We can just sit here. So she's like, all right. And they do talk. Oh, my God. Because well, oh that goodness. would be way more awkward. Oh, my God. So know, it's just nice silence. Yeah. 
I know, but I don't think it would because it's, it, there's obviously a tension there. He's, yeah. he's making an advance. Yeah, but so, I'm, silence is a play. If nice. you're just, I mean, if you're just. Oh, like looking into each other's just eyes looking and at pouting. People, just, mm. like that, yeah, no, that, is, that is actually. I feel like you can hear that there's something happening. Oh, yeah, it's thick with <laughs> anticipation. Oh. With chemistry. Yeah. I feel like it was a bit, yeah, it's a bit too, nah. Let's get too much happening, yeah, yeah, okay. it was too much, too much was happening. Well, they do get talking, That's so don't good. worry about it. There's none of this silence. They get talking about Mrs. Van Hopper and things go well. The conversation flows until the narrator mentions Mandalay and then there's an awkward lull in the convo during which the narrator remembers that when she was a child, she bought a postcard that had a painting of Mandalay on it. Ooh. The mansion fascinated her. I miss postcards. Right. They don't, we don't do them that much anymore. Like I... People don't send postcards. They just because you have constant contact with everyone. Sure, yeah. Yeah. the I'm postcard like, industry has been decimated. Yeah, absolutely. I, I weep. You know, my dad was a postcard a postcardsman, <laughs> oh, and he hasn't God. worked in fifteen years. Oh my oh, God! God. <laughs> he didn't have any transferable skills nothing, to the graphics industry. Nothing. All he knew was postcards. And he just knew small rectangles. would roll heart. images yep. onto yep. small bits of card <laughs> oh, and then draw the lines and the line in between them, po- the, the the address area and the right the right, words so you know, area. Uh, yeah, that's right. And then that's it. That's all he knew. Oh. Little rectangle for maybe where this stamp would go, <laughs> in case people forgot. Yeah, I'm sorry <laughs> for okay. bringing it up. It's, it's a touchy okay. subject. I um, was just going to talk about a cool postcard I had. Yeah, but I mean, I like. <laughs> I mean, do you think that people would have like been like so if rich people like that mm. just had their house on a postcard? Yeah, that's weird, mm. isn't it? Do you think that they would have had to license that to the postcard company and then and then the they would have made a little bit more wealth? I guess. Yeah, maybe because it's a painting of it. But how? I no, I don't think you can license the image of a pub. Like if from if you're sitting somewhere and you're painting it, yeah. that's your painting of that place. Yeah. So if yeah, I right. painted Alistair's place, yeah, I could put on a postcard and make all the money I want. I think you, you can't could. Do anything you might about not have. Right. You know, might not be able to say Alistair's house, which is maybe where that might be an issue because oh, then right. it might be a privacy concern because you just. Doxing someone on a postcard. Well, because when she's a kid, she remembers buying the postcard because she was fascinated by it. It's this beautiful building and then she mm. she spent half a week's pocket money on it and she goes up to the counter and says, where is this? And the person behind the counter dismissed her and said, why, that's Manderley, of course. Everyone knows Manderley. Well. And now she's meeting the guy. She's having lunch with the Manderley guy. Mr. Manderley. Wow. Yeah. Maxime Manderley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, but the conversation lulls a bit when she mentions Mandalay. He clearly doesn't want to talk about the place. So she's like, all right, whatever. But he starts up the convo again, asking asking the narrator about her life and learns that she works as Mrs. Van Hopper's companion, getting paid a very small salary, which she depends on because her family are all dead and she's very poor. But she relies on this job. She's got to take the job, even though she says it's awful. She finds it unusually easy to open up to Maxime about her life. She's usually pretty closed. Mm. But the the conversation flows. Oh man, there's you something know. going on here. There's hypnotist. some warmth. Yeah. Oh, hypnotist. Hypnotist. You think? Oh, yeah, <laughs> is right. she a chicken? Is she yeah. boxed at any point in yeah, this? Yeah, that's right. Was Absolutely. there a part of the dialogue where she went? Because <laughs> that's a dead giveaway. Yeah. If your conversation's flowing a bit too good, yeah. watch out. You might have been. Hypnotized. She did look into his eyes for a long time. Oh no! In that silence. Classic. Yeah, and his eyes were twirling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, she's she's parked in you know in mrs maxime's uh par- empty parking spot right now and, uh, <laughs> and she's starting to rev the engine <laughs> so 
sounds like something you've done before. I was, it really oh, sounds man, like you've I can't around. wait for people I know's partners to die <laughs> so I can take them. <laughs> well, make them my own. <laughs> <laughs> Well, after speaking for an hour, the narrator is embarrassed having prattled on about her life so much. But he tells her, no, this is the most fun I've had in ages and you've helped me forget the trauma of the past year. Oh, no. He also comments that she has a very lovely and unusual name. But again, we don't get to know what it is, so it's a real tease from the author. But it's more evidence. It's like Mm. it's more stuff. So he says it's an unusual name. So maybe it looks misspelt. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, a very lovely Mm. name as well. Lovely. Like a Siobhan or something. Yeah, Poir. Tim Tam. You know? (laughs) Tim Tam. That's a great name. It is great. Bing Bong. (laughs) Very lovely, unusual names. (laughs) Bing Bong is a beautiful name. I think if I ever have a child, I'll never be bong. <laughs> I think it would be lovely. Yeah. Is that one word? Yeah. Big bong, yeah. Big bong yeah. The, the way she Hyphenated baby. Yeah. Can you have a hyphenated first name? Yeah, yeah you can. of course. Yeah, yeah. Mary Pierre, um, you know, bong. Mary Sue. Yeah. Um, John Paul. Big bong Big bong <laughs> Oh, they got me. <laughs> Well, he learns that Bing Bong likes to sketch in her spare time and he, <laughs> he offers to drive her around Monaco oh. in his very expensive car, which he eventually accepts and they drive around, they, they talk, they get on really well, except when they stop on top of a steep cliff and they get out for a look at the view and Maxime seems to space out for a second and seems to, seems to get distracted by an old memory and the narrator is worried because she's standing so close to the edge and feels that she could easily fall or get pushed off. But then he snaps back to reality and they get back in the car and he apologizes. He's like, so sorry. Just got a bit distracted there. He says, I've been there before. I wanted to see if the view had changed. Turns out it hasn't. And then they keep going. But that's a small, strange moment. Yeah. yeah. I feel like if you're on a date for the first time, don't go up on a cliff. Yeah, no. Just go to the movies. <laughs> Out of everywhere you could have gone, if someone's like, off we go to this cliff, that's suspicious. Yeah. This is what's 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 um, difficult about cliffs is that because is that you're driving – Right, and you're oh, gra- you don't know when it's coming. You're at ground level the whole time, right. so you're like, "Well, I'm safe. I'm at ground level <laughs> until possibly like too late." Yeah. And then, and then suddenly it's just cliff, and then you go, "Well, there's, there's other ground down there. There's more ground level." <laughs> oh no, that's a good point. It's mm. hard to work out when you're going to be on a cliff. Yeah, is Monaco one of those places where it's like a bay? You know, do you think that they're in a bay mm. and there's like beautiful homes, and it kind of goes in straight into a hill kind of mountain thing, just you know, just after the water and there's just houses all the way up the mountain and it's like beautiful water. And like then, Frankston. Kind of like Frankston. I don't remember. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't been. Oliver's Hill. Oliver's You're describing like Oliver's Hill. Uh, beautiful bay. Yeah. People don't like, uh, you go there, you're like, this is beautiful. It's actually really beautiful for Frankston. But because it, it gets shadowed in Did Melbourne. you just say for Frankston? Is it, no, no, I didn't say for Frankston. It's beautiful for Frankston. You I said just, beautiful for Frankston. Well, I like want you to know that's not my intention. Wow. I was picturing a sort of beautiful Monaco type. <laughs> no, it's beautiful I've, I've for Monaco up, as well. I've just looked up Monaco Cliff House and this is what, this is what we're talking about. That's the same Whoa. as Frankston, exact same. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Those columns? Yeah, yep. Those are very nice. That's, yeah, uh, that sort of castle-like thing. A beautiful, yep. a beautiful place. Perfect. So yeah, you can, you're absolutely imagining the right sort of right sort of thing. Yeah, you buy those houses that look like they're carved out of stone. You don't, you wouldn't use gyprock in those, would you? Like you know, like a you know plaster yeah. board. Yeah, I wonder if they'd have to get them up to code because it's yeah, not that's insulated not enough. <laughs> you don't like. No. Do you think it just goes rock? 
and then all the way through, and then on the other side, it's just like you paint the rock. I think no, so. you got a plaster on the other side. Oh, you put plus and plaster, so you do use it. So I think you meant on the outside. No. So Maybe confirm. not gyp rock. Hey? Maybe it'd be a plaster, like a. I, I imagine they'd like slap it. <laughs> <laughs> you just get a, a hunk of plaster. And just like, oh, like that. That kind like of that. Plaster. I feel like it'll be that sort of plaster. Yeah, right. Because right, right. that was how plastering got started did. before they put it in a board. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Maybe not. Thank you. Sorry if it's a stupid. No, question. no. I mean, no. I mean, I, uh, I can't. I can't confirm nor deny. No. <laughs> but it feels like they would have plaster. You're right. Yeah. I think maybe in the bedrooms. Mm. Sure. But maybe in the grand entrance hall, it'd be. Stone. Yeah, they might just leave Beautiful. it stone and just cold. That'd be nice. Just got to put on a Exposed jacket. Brick. Mm. Yeah. Suppose stone. Yeah. Suppose stone. <laughs> So they drive back to the hotel and he opens up about Manderley and how beautiful it is and he describes the garden and flowers. And I really liked this book, but about 50% of it is describing different types of flowers. Oh, no. If you're a big flower fan, this is the book for you. I know, but even if you're a flower fan, do you think you want to read descriptions of flowers? Yeah, what There's, sort of descriptions are they like? Oh, just talking about how beautiful they are. Rhododendrons are mentioned many, many times. I don't even know what a rhododendron looks like. What do the descriptions say it looks like? Is it like good descriptions or is it just like rhododendrons? They're nice. Oh, they're no, like it, it talks about like flea. how big they are and the, okay. the colours and the, the smell. I've just mm. uh, control-left rhododendron in the PDF version and it's mentioned 18 times. Jeepers creepers. The rhododendrons stood, stood 50 feet high, twisted and entwined with bracken, and they had entered into alien marriage with a host of nameless shrubs, poor bastard things that clung about their roots as though conscious of their spurious origin. This is a whack description of a flower. I think that's actually, sorry. Entered into alien marriage. That is her, oh her description word. of her nightmare at the start when she's talking oh. about everything overgrown, I should say. Right, 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 right. Sure. But there's azaleas, there's rhododendrons, there's lilies, there's all sorts of bluebells. My goodness, I'm looking through here. There's is so it, many different flowers. Silver plant, bells. Are you plant people? Plant? The, no, your question first. No, no, no. My question was, question I was just, I was just mentioning a flower I heard in a song. Cockle shells, it's Christmas time in the city. That is not the, no, that's not right. No, oh, isn't it? Isn't it? Silver bells. No, are they actual silver bells? I think they're probably just bells, aren't they? I'm thinking of a different bell. (laughs) No. (laughs) Tubular bells? Tubular, Tubular bells. bells. It's yes. Beautiful flower. It's a beautiful con- flower. Isn't a concept <laughs> album. They smell great. What song was it? I mean, what that was flowers? Tubular Bells. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, I hope so. I haven't heard it for years since we lived in the warehouse when Andy had it on record. <laughs> he did have that on record. Do you know I did a dance to that? Did you? I did a dance. To the whole record? <laughs> the whole record, no. Just a one song of it. Yeah, it's because it goes for minutes. Yeah. 20 minutes or something. Is there a, I'm pretty sure there's like a Tubular Bells track on Tubular Bells. No, oh, right. I think. Yeah, sure. That's a flower, like, right? That's a flower, yeah. It smells great. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, they talk about flowers a lot. This is reminiscent yeah. of it. They talk about flowers a lot. So if you're interested, maybe check it out. But when they get back to the hotel, she reaches for her gloves and picks up a book of poetry oh. that Maxim has in the car, which he tells her she can take. Later wow. that Free book. Free book. Later that night, she opens the book and sees that it has an inscription and it says, Max from Rebecca. <gasps> <gasps> Who is this? I Wait, that's not his wife's me. name, was it? His wife died and she didn't have the <gasps> name Rebecca. Well, his wife died, but we haven't learned her name yet. Oh. But it is Rebecca. Oh! It's his 
dead wife. Oh my god. The very person whose parking spot she is parked in. <laughs> She's revving like crazy. <laughs> 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 she realizes this must be his dead wife and recalls Mrs. Van Hopper telling her that Rebecca drowned in the bay near Mandalay. I would do something oh, like that. My goodness. As in like on purpose or? Yeah. <laughs> just for fun. On a, <laughs> on a Tuesday afternoon. No, that's 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 spooky. Because mm. I've... Mm. Mm. I'm starting to wonder whether it's uh, rocks in the pockets kind of situation. Oh. This feels like it's from that era where rocks in the pockets were very big in a... In a in, in, you know, like women's saying, literature. You're smiling while you're saying that. Which just you just really want to get with people. I just want to get guess <laughs> yeah, where this is going, but oh. I got some rocks in the pocket. See, I feel like my prediction was just not good swimming. Yeah, that's her yeah. Prediction. Needed to do a few more lessons. So you think she drowned without going swimming? No, I think she just you know so she maybe she maybe started oh. learning and she like was in like jellyfish class, but she yeah, needed right. to advance to um what's after jellyfish? Dolphin, uh, shark. Yeah, maybe shark. Sure. Yeah, shark. Yeah, and like seahorse. Yeah, get a certificate in being able to like do freestyle. Or yeah, 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 practice on the boards. It's so weird that freestyle the swim is very. It's not free at all. It has a particular way you do it. Yeah, yeah. But What's you with can. That? But you can do any style you want during freestyle. I think that's true. Yeah, it's open. That's why it's called freestyle. How? Yeah. If, if you get in the pool and you're faster at backstroke than freestyle, you can do that. Oh, is that at the, the Olympics? Way that works? Mm. But I thought. Freestyle was just when you're doing. That's like a front. No, I think it's, what they it's found called the front first. crawl or Australian crawl. Is that called Australian crawl? Somebody did an Australian figure it out. I think, but it's also sometimes called American crawl. We talked about this on Duke One very recently, <laughs> yeah. so I remember. Yeah, but it's also called yeah front crawl. We have swam so far away from what the book is. Okay, let's talk about the book. So okay. sorry. <laughs> so she's found out. She, Wow. She was like, oh, Rebecca, that must be his wife who I heard drowned in the bay near Mandalay. Mm-hmm. So we're all putting little bits of together here. Mrs. Van Hopper is still bed stricken. So over the next few days, the narrator spends more time with Maxim, telling her boss that she's doing tennis lessons. But really, she's hanging out with this older man, Ooh. finding herself falling for him. She's <gasps> actually doing big bong lessons. <laughs> <laughs> but she feels a bit stupid because he's this wealthy guy who's about 20 years older than her. She's in her early to mid 20s and he's about 20 years older and she's like I'm just I'm a no one I'm a silly assistant from a poor background he's this famous millionaire why would he be interested in me oh my mm. god this is a classic Leonardo DiCaprio situation <laughs> I'm worried <laughs> I'm now worried I'm officially worried but in her mind she compares herself to Rebecca this woman she can only imagine and she's like I could never compete with her even mm. though she doesn't know anything about Rebecca that's right she could just be another woman exactly like her exactly <gasps> He's a serial doer of whatever he's doing right now. (laughs) (laughs) But Maxim tells her that he's basically stayed in Monte Carlo to hang out with her as she makes him feel alive. But she's still like, my crush is silly. It's like, listen to what the man's saying here. Mm. But she's very crestfallen when after a few days Mrs. Van Hopper starts to recover and tells her they are going to immediately leave for New York. She's grown tired of Monaco. The narrator realises... There's nothing she can do, so she knocks on Maxim's door to tell him the news and he insists on meeting downstairs for breakfast. I think he just got out of the shower or something. He's like, mm. meet me downstairs in ten minutes. Yeah. And they have this breakfast and she thinks it's a goodbye thing and he says, the way I see it is, quote, either you go to America with Mrs. Van Hopper or you come home to Mandalay with me. <gasps> and she says, do you, do you want like a secretary or something? And he's like, no, I'm asking you to marry me, you little fool. 
Whoa, he calls her a little fool. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> that's a quote. That's a be- that's that's how I want to be proposed to. <laughs> yeah. I want you to marry me, it's, you little yeah. fool. And suggest that I'm small and tiny. <laughs> it's yeah. not a very um romantic situation. He's kind of just like, take it or leave it. You want to live with me? You can. That's rich guy talk. Oh, you want to go with her? I mean. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Final offer. Yeah. That's pretty, I'm walking away. <laughs> free mansion's pretty romantic. If yeah, anyone yeah. comes up to me and want to marry me, but they got a mansion, I mean. Okay. Do you think, do you think if somebody offered you a mansion and you were still with Evan? Yeah, I'll I'll dump the man. Get the mansion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man for mansion, one-to-one swap. <laughs> one-to-one swap. Yeah. Man, it's his fault he hasn't, hasn't mm. proposed yet. It's so at I'm least twice as good as a man. You're free agent, time to free get, start. Time to get some keys to a mansion. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the Australian crawl yeah. in the love, love game. Yeah. Straight into a mansion. <laughs> 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 That was me crawling into a that's, mansion. That's I just you made you can a have noise. this mansion. Your auntie has left you this mansion, and you can have it as long as you can <laughs> swim freestyle up the driveway into the mansion I'm within doing, 24 I'm hours. I'm grinding my face into that concrete. Do you take this man, Sean? <laughs> I do. So he's like, marry me, little fool. She is absolutely gobsmacked, but eventually agrees. But she asks him to tell Mrs. Van Hopper the news. She's like, I can't face her. She is also gobsmacked and is clearly bitter and gives the narrator some advice, saying she is too inexperienced for the match. She says to her, naturally, one wants you to be happy. And I grant you he's a very attractive creature, but, well, I'm sorry, and personally I think you are making a big mistake. One, you will bitterly regret. Oh, no. I wonder if she will. She makes a bit of a parting shot. Basically, mm. I mean, she's she jealous. she clearly wanted him. Like, yep. I feel like it's like a yeah, bit of a jealousy thing going on yeah, there. Also, she has to go on like seek.com.au, find someone new. That sucks. Yeah, yeah it's I annoying for her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it'd be easier to keep her, yeah. talk her out of the marriage. Yeah. Sure, yeah, and then she'll have to carry her own bags to the oh plane or, or the boat or whatever she's yeah. taking to get back. Don't know what. Was there mm. was there commercial air flights? Yeah, for really rich people. Yeah, yeah. Right. that's good. But don't worry about her because that's the last we see of the old bag because the narrator quickly marries Maxime and they go on a honeymoon across Europe Woo! before moving into the famous Mandalay. Oh. It's massive. Hell yeah. <gasps> dozens of rooms, dozens of bedrooms, including a ballroom. Ballroom? Mm. Genuinely, moment there, I was like... I thought ball pit room. Also a ball pit room. I, I, Sorry, in, my head, in my head, in my head, I went, "Why is there a, a room for small a ball pit rainbow room? balls?" I was like, "That's amazing!" I tell you, if you have a big enough house, you've got everything. I forgot people danced, and it's called ball mm-hmm. room. Yeah, but it's the kind of house that if they had it now, it would definitely have a full size basketball court indoors. Oh. You know, one of those sort yeah, of mansions. And it sits on a large estate on the coast, and it has both a forest and also it's on a beach. So oh the forest God. goes in onto the, That's the shoreline. Great. It's, it's got everything. That's every landscape. Bad. Oh, it's got them all. <laughs> not, forest, sea, and then I assume there's a plane or something. In there, <laughs> like a plane. Not like, good for climate change, though. I feel like you got, oh. you, you're got you going to lose your house to erosion or bushfire. That's, yeah, that's no good. Oh, yeah, that's awful. Actually, I'd, I would prefer house middle of nowhere, big dirt, <laughs> nothing. Big nothing dirt, else. Big dirt path. <laughs> big dirt path just back in the middle. Just you and the big path. <laughs> <laughs> so it's huge. It's also got lots of full-time staff who all line up to greet the new Mrs. Maxime de Winter. Oh. So throughout the rest of the book, most of the people call her Mrs. de Winter. So that gets away with the 
with no one ever saying her name out loud. Yeah. So we still don't know what it is. The lead butler has been there since Maxim was a child. He's a typical stereotype of a butler. You're imagining his name is Frith. Oh, that's Frith. That's Frith. Frith. That's, that's not his name, but that's what you're imagining? Oh, no, that is his name <laughs> okay. in the book. Okay. But, you know, it's the classic. Uh, yeah. Mm. Well, I was talking to somebody today who I know who used to be a butler. Oh. Right? Please do tell. And he, and then I asked him today, I said, people call you Jeeves? <laughs> and I, he said, well, no, that's an actual name. And I forget that people were actually called Jeeves, but it's a, it's a name that's very fallen quite out of popularity. So that was actually a name. Yeah. And so I reckon in a, in a generation or so, people won't think of Jeeves as being a butler. <laughs> and then we're going to get some little Jeeves again. You know, it's going to be, and, and old people will find it funny. That'll be us. Once again, it's time, Al. You yeah. can get out there, change the names of your kids get now, make the yeah. change that you want to Jeeves, see. Jeeves, Badouche, Bing Bong. Oh, boy. So she meets Frith. The other person to note is the head of the staff, the head housekeeper. Mrs. Danvers. Oh, she sounds like trouble. Who I mentioned at the start of the book. Remember later yes. on in her dream, she's like, I wonder what, I wonder what Mrs. Danvers is doing oh, right yeah, now. yeah, she liked mm. her. Maxim had already warned her about Mrs. Danvers. He said, she'll be stiff with you at first, I dare say. She's an extraordinary character, but you mustn't let it worry you. But she is stiff and it does worry the narrator, who is extremely intimidated by the housekeeper. And even though the words she says are extremely civil... She feels there is some deep resentment underneath it all. Mm. Sure. I mean, it sucks to be a big house where you just got to, like, bring people. That sucks. Yeah. Yuck. No, but she, she doesn't feel welcome at Mandalay. Yeah. Straight mm. away. She's like, okay. Well, how long ago did Rebecca die? Last year, back. It was a whole oh, other year. Oh, fine then. <laughs> yeah, and he's okay. just gone to Monaco and come back with a new wife. <laughs> yeah, you this know, is the new Rebecca. You know, yep. I could imagine that, you know, they're, they're still mourning a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, he's uh, he's kind of, uh, you know, covering up some of the, uh, some of the sorrow with novelty. <laughs> a new woman. <laughs> is that bad? Did I say something wrong? I don't know. It didn't feel good. Well, I know, but I don't think that the, I don't think that necessarily any of his life choices are so again. So no, I don't think his either. life choices were very good. No, sorry. Thank so, you for apologizing. <laughs> I don't know what about, but I'll work it out and I'll get back to you. So the narrator is shown to her and her husband's room, which is in a newly renovated part of the house in the east wing. Oh, it's got wings. It's got wings. Yeah. Which we learn is a different spot from where Maxim used to live with his first wife, Rebecca. They were in the West Wing. <gasps> the TV show. And the Oval Office. <laughs> and Rebecca, the narrator thinks about her almost constantly, wondering what she was like and how she compares to the former mistress of Mandolin. So she's... She's constantly thinking about Rebecca. It sounds like she's done it too much. Yeah, yeah why did she just ask it? It's an, it's an obsession, really. Yeah. Surely there's someone she can just go, hey, hey, Frith, what was that, what was that lady what like? What was she like? Well, yeah. every time anyone talks about her, they talk about how perfect she was. Yeah. She was lovely. She was charming. She was beautiful. She had time for everyone. And so the more she asks about it, the worse she feels because she just mm. feels like, oh, I'm just a young 20-something Lady who's come from a very humble background. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. She sounds like the perfect sort of head of a household. Yeah. I don't know. The like, perfect one's always done. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm standing there <laughs> waiting to take, Here he comes. to take their partner. Oh, no. vroom, vroom. <laughs> 
The narrator certainly doesn't fit in straight away, frequently getting lost in the maze-like mansion, and she's never had staff before and doesn't really know how to act around them. She worries that they must be laughing at her behind her back. Mm. Mrs. Danvers calls on her phone every morning asking what she would like to eat that day, and the narrator just says, oh, yeah, whatever's good, whatever you think. And Mrs. Danvers says, well, Mrs. DeWinter used to have this, and the narrator just agrees with everything and says, yeah, whatever sounds cool. Mm. She tries to be agreeable, but I think she feels that Mrs. Danvers is judging her for not really having any backbone or any saying. Sure. So she's just trying to, trying to play it cool, but it's not working. She runs into Mrs. Danvers in a closed-off part of the house one day and is terrified by her vibe and can't wait to get away. She's a very intimidating woman. Mm. Like I say, she's not saying anything threatening, mm. but she just feels like, oh, this lady's not very friendly. Now, this isn't Frith, right? This is another the, lady. The, the, yeah, Mrs. No, Danvers. This is, yeah, she's a, and she's a very uh, main character, mm. Mrs. Danvers. Yeah. She's the, the head housekeeper. She runs the household, head of all mm. the staff. But, yeah, she's very intense. Our narrator is able to relax a little bit when Maxime's uh, sister, Beatrice, drops by and is super nice. And the narrator really likes another guy called Frank Crawley, who's the manager of the Mandalay and Maxim's right-hand man, sort of his best friend. Mm. But he's like a normal, nice, down-to-earth guy and the narrator really likes and trusts him. So she's like, okay, I've got a couple of people I like here, but I do think Mrs Danvers is a little bit weird. But the spectre of Rebecca constantly hangs over the place. That's a beautiful sentence. Oh. Spectre mm. of Rebecca. Do you feel... That I'm talking about you. All the time. Have you, as you've been saying, Rebecca's perfect, Rebecca's wow, look at Rebecca go. I'm like, yep, that's me. Well, let me describe her a little bit more. Beatrice, who is Maxim's sister, mentions Rebecca a few times. The first is to say that Mrs. Danvers, the head of the household, simply adored Rebecca. Sure. So they were oh. very close. Could be a reason why she's not oh. making the new Mrs. DeWinter feel very welcome. Of and she less than tactfully, this is Beatrice, the sister, says that she, I'm so glad to have met you, she says. You're not what I was expecting at all. She says, quote, you're so very different from Rebecca. Oh, no. And that does not make her feel good. Sure. She's like different, bad, just what yeah. she assumes. So she's always thinking about Rebecca, the woman that people cannot stop talking about as beautiful, kind, well-like, perfect. When the narrator visits Maxim's elderly mother, she says, where's Rebecca. I liked Rebecca as <laughs> she meets the new wife. So she's a very hard act to follow. Yeah. And these thoughts of Rebecca continue when one day her and Maxim go for a long walk with his dog, Jasper the Spaniel. And they walk through a place that he calls the Happy Valley mm-hmm. on the estate. F- lots of flowers, lots of flower talk here. Oh, yeah. More flowers. You would have to suffer through quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, we, we have a few talk. pages on how nice the flowers are. Fantastic. Thank you, Daphne. Are they going to come to a lake, do you think? Well, they come to... The beach. (gasps) And uh, so it opens up onto a beach and Jasper the dog runs away and the narrator is like, Jasper, come back, come back. And uh, they come across a man searching for clams on the beach. His name is Ben. Uh, he is a local man that everyone, everyone knows. Everyone else has had such interesting <laughs> names. It's like, just Ben's out for some clams. He's just Ben mm. searching for clams. So everyone yep. knows him. He's uh, lived in the area for a long time. He's got a learning difficulty and he can't really speak to her. Right. He doesn't respond when she says, have you got a piece of string I can tie the dog up with? And he sort of just looks at her. She goes, all right, I guess I'll keep chasing him. And she keeps running until she spies a small boathouse. She goes inside. She gets some string for the dog. She ties him up and she runs back to Maxim and he's clearly upset and tells her that the boathouse and the beach 
hold terrible memories for him and he says, oh, God, what a fool I was to come back. And he sort of like walks off a bit. Later that week, we learn what those bad memories are when the narrator takes a walk with Frank Crawley, who's the manager of the estate and Maxim's old friend, Mm -hmm. and he explains that Rebecca used to moor her boat at the boathouse down there and that one night she took it out and she never came home and it turned out that she drowned on the boat. On the boat? Yeah. Confusing. So she was on the boat. No, she was on the boat and then... She was gone. And Maxim had to go and identify her body two months later when it washed up. Oh, oh so it's not like she's down the beach. Yeah. yeah, so she disappeared for a long yeah, time okay. and then he identified the body. So that's why Frank's like, sorry, he freaked out on the beach, but that's why he doesn't like it down there. Yeah. Mm. And the narrator then asks Frank about Rebecca, what she was like, and she asks, was she very beautiful? And Frank replies, Yes. Yes, I suppose she was the most beautiful creature I ever, ever saw in my life. Mm. <laughs> I, I suppose. Um, yeah, no, she was the most beautiful creature I've ever seen. I oh, know. Uh. So, but the poor new wife, mm. she's sure. comparing herself. And yeah. All she, she hears is she sounds like the perfect person. Yeah. I feel like someone should comfort her and go, you can, you can probably swim. Like they should give her something. Give her something like, like she had intense body yeah. odour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. what I'm whiffing from you, you don't. So yeah. This feels that. like Maxime could maybe be helping a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but he just doesn't talk about Rebecca, so they never talk about Rebecca yeah. together. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One day, Maxim goes to London on business, and whilst he's away, a man arrives in a sports car. <gasps> Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> the name of his car yeah. is Rebecca. Our narrator walks into a room to see Mrs. Danvers, the sort of um, standoffish housekeeper, mm. talking to a man called Jack Favell, oh. who I also mentioned at the start of the book. So the two people at the start of the book, she says, I wonder what they're doing now, Mr. Favell and Mrs. Danvers. Anyway, so she walks in on them talking. They seem a bit startled to see her and it's obvious that they uh, didn't want to be seen talking together. So it's all a bit, what's going on? Mm. The, the man offers to take the narrator for a ride in his car and she takes an instant dislike to this man who is very brash, over the top, very confident, full of himself, and she politely declines. And on his way out he says to her, it would be very sporting and grand of you if you did not mention this little visit of mine to Max. He doesn't exactly approve of me. Yeah, right. So she's like, but she's a very uh, much a people pleaser like mm. myself. So she goes, this, this is me seeing myself in her again. She goes, okay, I won't tell my husband. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, but those, those two talking to each other in secret like that, that's looking good for me saying that they should hook up <laughs> early. Yeah, you were absolutely, mm. you, uh, you felt something. I could, mm. I could feel it. There was a tension in the, <laughs> yeah. in the silence. Mm. And now they're like, oh, we shouldn't be seen talking. Yeah. So he leaves, drives away in his sports car, but her suspicions are over him only increase and she's like, why was he here? Maybe he's a thief, she thinks. So she runs over to the West Wing, sort of the area where they were 
where she saw them talking to see if he's stolen anything. The West Wing being the part of the house where Rebecca lived and for the first time our narrator goes into Rebecca's old bedroom. And Mrs Danvers soon appears and creepily says, why have you never asked me to show it to you before? Yeah, wow. And then she begins giving the new Mrs. De Winter a tour of the bedroom and everything in it, and everything's kept in exactly the same spot as it was the night she disappeared. Wow. It's like my bedroom, I imagine, like because I am a Rebecca, so it's just like all the tissues crumpled up everywhere. These are the tissues. <laughs> she literally yeah. goes, these are her slippers. Yeah, the, yeah. the teacup that was there that has a tea bag in it yeah. still smells bad. That's that, on the to bed side. That half a bowl of fried rice. Half a bowl mm. of fried rice always there. And, um, just empty a, Gatorade bottle. Empty Gatorade bottles. <laughs> um that sounds right. A tribute. Yes. Her fitting. Well, that's what she does. And Mrs. What a nightmare. If I did die, someone was like, I've got to leave her bedroom exactly. Mm. Oh, don't do that. Evan, give it a clean. In a week. Uh, he would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, get, you get in there. Yeah. I, my mist- yeah, I forgot. I forgot you were around. You could like, you, you get rid of it. <laughs> he just calls him Skip. <laughs> <laughs> Anything colourful out of the house. <laughs> no sentimentality <laughs> at all. Throws it out the window. That's Hoping it right. lands in the skin. No, 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 no. No, so you can come in, Alison. In a loving way. It's so you can go in. Yeah, I get it. No, yeah, yeah, so I can take That's everything. That's what I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're throwing absolutely. everything away so you can get it. No, I understand. I can get you're in the yeah, car park, absolutely can, revving. We'll, we'll bury you with all you your gummy clisp. bears and everything. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> it's what she would have wanted. Yeah. Just a weird lolly jar of a coffin. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. See through. It's, yeah, it's got a, it, a yeah, glass yeah, lid yeah, with a little yeah. clasp on it. Yeah. yeah, you can get, you can take one when you go. Thank you. A lolly bag at the funeral. That's a genuinely good idea. Yeah, sour worms out, out of the out of the open casket. Yeah. <laughs> so they do the. She gives her the full tour, and the narrator is really creeped out by it. Mrs. Danvers then begins to talk about the night she disappeared. It's clear she feels some guilt. She assumed that the reason she hadn't come home was that she often spent the night down at the boathouse. But when she didn't return at all, the next day they went down and found parts of her boat floating in the water. Oh, no. She felt feels really bad about it. She, she then asked the narrator, do you think the dead come back and watch the living? Do you think she can see us talking to one another now? Creepy. Yeah. Gothic novel. <laughs> I really feel like I'm getting suspicious of all these people. I reckon, yeah, I, I feel like something's gone down with Rebecca. Okay, so you're doing a bit of a yeah, Poirot's on the case I'm here. A, mm. uh, more Benoit Blanc. Sort okay. Of, uh, not, probably not Poirot star, like, you know, playing Among Us in a bath and then off I go, <laughs> solve a mystery. I think, yeah, it sounds like I reckon Rebecca was up to something in that boathouse. Oh, okay. So, I think she's up to if you were suspicious of anyone, any uh, early leads, Friff. 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 Old man Friff. No, no, I think probably the guy with the sports car is most suspicious. Favel. No. Jack Favel. Jack who do you Favel. Who do you suspect when some, uh, when a when a when a wife dies? The first person. It's always the husband. It's always. Oh. Sorry, I meant they were doing something in oh, the thing. I reckon right. the husband, I definitely think the husband has done something. He's too, this is too suspicious. Maybe he just also, he's got her because he's like, he got a taste for it. He's like, that was fun. Get yeah. me another wife. I'm going to put her in the wet. 
<laughs> oh, okay. You think yeah. a pattern is emerging? But yeah. he has to break a boat, you know, because that's the, the problem is that yeah. she had to break a full boat, you know? Like that's if they found bits yeah. of boat afterwards, mm. it's going to be like fill a boat with explosives. The dynamite. So, yeah. You're right. The wife killing is easy. The <laughs> boat smashing is hard. <laughs> too much work. Ugh. I mean, he, if he really wanted to kill her, though, he would have done it off the cliff earlier. You think? True. But all was he thinking, was he sitting on the cliff going, I could do this again. Oh, we could do it right now, Let's, I suppose. But then it's like, you know, spoil it. the best part of a murder is the build-up. That's true. <laughs> before. That's so right. that's why you marry them, you have them for ages, and then you're like, surprise! That's right. You know? Yeah, you, want them, you want to lure them into yeah, a yeah, sense yeah. of... So you went to the cliff too way. early, you think? Yeah, and then I think he was like, oh, maybe this, but more, for longer. <laughs> yeah, I didn't build enough tension. There no. won't be enough satisfaction at the end of this. No, series. and he probably went, this is the start of the book. It would be mm. weird to do this now. Mm. Also, we've had a flash forward and she's alive. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm. <laughs> and still happily married. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> no, still, these are good. We've got to rule out these, yeah, these early leads. Yeah. I'm going to go play, to playing Among Us in the bar. <laughs> Well, the narrator is freaked out by Mrs. Danvers being like, I reckon she could be watching us right now. And she runs away as soon as she can. She is later told by Maxim's sister that Jack Favell, the man that turned out in a sports car and looked a bit suspicious, is Rebecca's cousin and would often visit when she was alive. But Maxim hates him and that's why he wanted to keep his visit a secret. The narrator never tells Maxim about Favell visiting, but he finds out anyway we don't know how. And he yells at Mrs. Danvers that he's never allowed to come to Mandalay ever again. And if she has him over again, he'll fire her. Oh. Whoa. So Danvers gets told off. So the narrator, she's wondering how she can make an impression on the local community because everyone seems to love Rebecca. Mm-hmm. And she sees, sees her chance when some locals visit one day and encourage her to host a costume ball. Yeah. Something that Rebecca used to do every year. And she's able to convince Maxim that it's a good idea and for the the first time in ages she begins to be excited about something, all the planning and putting it together. She plans her outfit but not being super fashionable is unsure what to wear. Mm. Despite this, she tells Maxim that her outfit will stun him and give him the surprise of his life. Whoa. She's Whoa. really talking about this costume. One day Mrs Danvers, the creepy housekeeper, comes to her and for the first time appears to be friendly. The narrator is relieved that perhaps finally the maid is warming to her since they had the nice moment in Rebecca's bedroom where she gave her a tour of the slippers. Sure. Mrs. Danvers suggests that if she's looking for a, to make a great entrance with a fancy costume, she should wear the same outfit as a woman is wearing in a painting that hangs in the stairwell. It's a big painting of a lady wearing a white gown holding a hat. I think she's an old relative from a couple hundred years ago. And she's like, you'll be able to make a grand entrance next to the painting. You'll be able to say, look, I'm dressed as this old relative. Wow. This could be a trick, I feel. Yeah, it does feel <laughs> it's got some trick. The elements. narrator is thrilled with the idea <laughs> and oh, on no. Mrs. Danvers' advice sends away to London to get the costume made up by a fancy costume maker. And soon the ball comes. Hundreds are invited. A full orchestra is hired. It's a massive, massive deal. Oof. It's going to be the Night of Nights. This is like a Heidi Klum style party, right? You know how Heidi Klum <gasps> does those parties where she like dresses up as like oh, oh, yeah, she's like, like a really that, only, oh, she dressed up as a worm. If only year. Rebecca was a worm. Yeah. That would yeah. have been a great entrance. I that would have been much better. Yeah. yeah. But with her husband, his sister and Frank waiting at the bottom of the stairs, the narrator prepares her grand entrance, again having told him they'll be shocked by her outfit. Oh, no, I know says. I know who this is. 
She has someone. I know what's happened. Well, see, I also. This is like an Elwood style terrible stitch up. You know, oh, where, no. or like, <gasps> did that Elwood. happen to Elwoods? Yeah, Elwoods went to the costume party, but no one was dressed in the costume. But that's not what's happened here. Who's Elwoods? From uh, Legally, Legally Blonde. Blonde. Thank you, Elwoods. Thank you so much. Yeah, sorry, sorry. So this yeah, it, this is a bit of a stitch up. She, so she has someone loudly announce her because there's an, an announcer saying, Mrs. De Winter, and she walks down the stairs oh, and she looks that's at them. bad too. They it? are indeed oh. shocked. In fact, the book says they look like dummies in a trance. <gasps> and Maxim says, what the hell do you think you're doing? Oh, no. Confused, Max, confused, the narrator points to the picture and says, I'm dressed like her. What? What's the problem? What have I done? And Maxim says, go and change. It does not matter what you put on. Find an ordinary evening frock. Anything will do. Go now oh, before no. anybody comes. Because it turns out this was the same costume Rebecca wore yep, to the yep, last ball yep, yep, before yep. she died. God damn it, Mrs. Danvers, what are you doing? Why'd you do That's that? That's right. Mrs. Danvers Terrible. fully set her up by encouraging her to wear the outfit and by telling everyone they'll get the shock of their life, it looks like she did it on purpose. Remember she says, what a this will surprise you guys. I'm going to shock you. And then she's, <laughs> I'm dressed as your dead wife. Oh. That's what they think. And the narrator runs away. She's crying. She's very upset. And she soon sees Mrs. Danvers and the book says, quote, I shall never forget the expression on her face loathsome triumphant the face of an exalting devil she stood there smiling at me whoa Yuck. evil stuff people yeah does wait does she get mentioned at the beginning of the book yeah she's That's like i wonder yeah. what she's doing now oh yeah probably right. still I being thought, a butthole to someone else yeah i thought she was saying it like god i missed that line. <laughs> <laughs> i think it's like oh, i hope she's dead yeah i wonder if hmm so if hmm i just no <laughs> I'm, I haven't cracked the case yet. I don't no, think. I mean, but you're you're you've got theories. You've got, got theories. leads. Yeah, mm. Mrs. Danvers, very suspicious. Or maybe <laughs> not suspicious. Maybe just sad about Rebecca. She's very sad about Rebecca. Yeah. So that, that was that was too much. I think that does put her out. I don't think she's done the murder. That would be weird. But she thought that it would. Mm. This would probably deal the death blow, you know, to mm. this uh, relationship. Yeah, um, she thought that it would. It would be. She, she would finally be done with this lady, and then she could go back to just being her and Maxine and the other staff, and then mm. they could, you know, all mourn Rebecca and remember Rebecca rather than this replacement. Who is this? This faux Rebecca. Mm. Nothing's better than Rebecca. Nothing yeah, better than I think Rebecca. Replace Rebecca. So the narrator is so upset, she cries in her room for a long, long time before bravely putting on a dress and going down to the party where she pretends to have a good time and she stands with Maxim, but he doesn't say a word to her all night. She's like, that's it. I've ruined the marriage. It's over. And when she goes to bed at like 3 a.m. at the end of the party, she falls asleep and when she wakes up the next day at like 9, she realises he never came to bed and was away all night. Oh, no. So she feels very upset. He's in the boat boat shed. Yep. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Well, the next day she can't even find Maxim and tells Frank, the uh, property manager and good friend, that she's worried that he'll never love her and that he must still love Rebecca because this is a consuming thought. She's obsessed Mm. with the Mm. fact that that Rebecca is better than her, that he loves Rebecca, everyone loves Rebecca, but no one loves her. I get that. I used to think that kind of stuff when this is like years ago, not about somebody being way better than me, but I remember I think maybe before I'd had sex, I was like, but if somebody's given somebody a really good orgasm, 
they're going to be so disappointed by any orgasms I give them. <laughs> like that, because they're going to be thinking about that old orgasm. Right? Yeah, okay. But then I'd, what I didn't realize until later on in life is that people just forget. And people <laughs> enjoy something that's happening now rather than the memory of things yeah. that had happened that were probably way better. As- but. Elsie, I wish you were in the novel and you just popped up and said this exact thing to <laughs> well, the person. Hey, whoa, 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 it's yeah. fine. It's okay. You can make new Orgasms, memories. Orgasms, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll think you're good in some yeah. ways eventually. Just they'll kind of, you know, the memories of Rebecca mm. will fade. Yeah, just because you saw your favourite movie ever doesn't mean you can't enjoy other movies. Exactly. Yeah. It's only when people ask you, was that the best orgasm of your life, do they start comparing them? Yeah. I mean, best movie of your life. Yeah. <laughs> just don't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> so... She decides to confront Mrs. Danvers about the whole costume scenario. And Mrs. Danvers, who, unlike the night before, looked evil and uh, scary, when she confronts her, she looks more like a tired old woman. She sort of feels a bit sorry for her. She's like, you're actually quite pathetic. And she lashes out at the narrator saying, why did you ever come here? Nobody wanted you at Manderley. We were all right until you came. She really loses it. She accuses the narrator of trying to take Mrs. De Winter's place and then starts ranting about how great her old mistress was, having known her since she was a child. Mm. She says, no one got the better of her. Never, never. She did what she liked. She lived as she liked. She had the strength of a little lion too. I remember her at 16 getting up on one of her father's horses, a big brute of an animal too that the groom said was too hot for her to ride, but she stuck to him all right. I can see her now with her hair flying out behind her, slashing at him, drawing blood, digging the spurs into his side, and then when she got off his back, he was trembling all over. This is a horse she's talking about. Oh, my God. Full of froth and blood. That will teach him, won't it, Danny, she said. So she called Mrs Danvers Danny. You're like, whoa, that is a scary, scary story. So this is the story about how Rebecca broke a horse? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I respect her. Mm. She says, she cared for nothing and no one. And when she was beaten in the end, (laughs) it wasn't a man and it wasn't a woman. The sea got her. The sea was too strong for her. The sea got her in the end. (laughs) (laughs) The sea got her is so good. Oh, defeated by the sea. But now you kind of see that maybe she's not a perfect woman. Right, that does not sound like a nice person Yeah, that would, like, beat the shit out of a horse to teach it a lesson. Yeah, that sounds like one of those people, like, you know, like when far-right-wing people like somebody because they're kind of cruel and they're going to, like, be like, oh, we don't care about this group of people. And then people are like, yeah, that's what, like, Vanderby or whatever sounds Mm -hmm. like a... One of those yeah people. Like yeah. a scary sort of villain. Mm. You're respected because you're scary and you're willing to yeah. do stuff, people. Maybe that's why. Well, every, now I'm starting to think maybe Rebecca wasn't perfect. Maybe it was that she was scared so many people that people just said that. Oh, and that's just they were scared thing. of her. They were scared of her, so they were just doing it. But also, I don't know, Rebecca sounds pretty. I've got to support the Rebeccas. She's very Keep it up, You're Rebecca. on Team Rebecca, absolutely. I'm on Team Rebecca. Yeah, you kick that horse. Get it. That's right. You <laughs> stick your spurs into its side and make it froth. <laughs> oh, boy, I regret to get... No, do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to pick a side. <laughs> so Danny or Mrs Danvers then tells the narrator that she decided to teach her a lesson with a costume after she told Maxim about cousin Jack Flavel coming by. Mm. But she's like, I never told him. I never told him, which is the truth, but Mrs. Danvers doesn't believe her, so that's why she's like, I wanted to teach you a lesson. Oh, but you got me in trouble. Right. You got, he yelled at me for him coming over because you told him he was here. Yeah, but, right. 
Miss, Mrs. Danvers then tells her that all of the men were in love with Rebecca and that Maxim banned Jack Flavel from coming over because he was jealous. But Rebecca ignored him and didn't care. And this is another description of uh, Rebecca from Danvers. She says, I shall live as I please, Danny, she told me, and the whole world won't stop me. A man only had to look at her once and he'd be mad about her. I've seen them here, staying in the house, men she'd met up in London and bring for weekends. She would take them bathing... She would take them bathing from the boat. She would have a picnic supper at her cottage in the cove. They made love to her, of course. Who wouldn't? Hell yeah, Rebecca. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. Rebecca sounds pretty cool again. Pretty cool. Yeah. I'm so forgetting she... that horse stuff. She sounds cool. Well, we don't know if she was riding those men and sticking her spurs <laughs> yeah, in their sides. That's right. Like They're that. frothing and bloody yeah. at the mouth. That could be, people could be into that. No, Consent could... is important. Sure, but, but she's then, also a rich know. lady. They might all be servants, you know. Oh, okay. Now it's getting worse again. They might be horses. Yeah. yeah. So Rebecca is just... Yeah, doing what she pleases. Yeah, which is, but this is not the description anyone else has given of her. Mm. So the narrator's like, okay. But then Danny approaches the narrator who backs away towards a window and Mrs. Danvers says in a sinister voice, it's no use, is it? You'll never get the better of her. She's still mistress here, even if she's dead. She's the real Mrs. De Winter, not you. It's you that's the shadow and the ghost. It's you that's forgotten and not wanted and pushed aside. Well... Why don't you leave Mandalay to her? Why don't you go? And then she grabs her by the arm and pushes her towards the open window. Oh, dear Lord. And she says, it's you who ought to be dead, not Mrs. De Winter. God, at this point I'd be like, I think I'm going to actually fire you. You're the I'm in charge. I'm your boss. I'm your boss. Wait a second. Uh, You can leave. Um, This is a job. You've taken it. You know when people get into a job and then they get too into it and That's it becomes right. their personality? Exactly. Your like, work isn't your life, no, people. No, no. Yeah. You're like, yeah, at the very least you'd say you can go on break for now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. are dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> but she pushes her towards the window and then she encourages the narrator to jump, saying, I wouldn't push you, but I th- don't you think everything would be better if you just jumped? And it's a very confronting scene and just as she appears to be about to follow Mrs. Danvers' advice. Oh, my God. woman's already, you know, having a lot of uh, lot of psychological breakdown in this book, comparing herself to Rebecca, and she starts thinking, maybe, I, maybe the world would be better off without me. And just as she's thinking, maybe I should jump, the sound of loud explosions can be heard, and both women sort of snap back to reality. Even Mrs. Danvers is a bit like, oh, gosh, what, what the hell are we doing? Mm. Mrs. Danvers says, oh, it's, it's the rockets. There must be a ship gone ashore in the bay. So the... Basically, a ship has run aground in the bay and fireworks are being let off as a distress signal oh, in like the flares. fog. Yeah. Oh. So, and that's really the only thing that sort of stops this crazy scene. And then a, a I feel like she should ship. go, you're fired. You're fired. You Where's tried the you're fired You tried to push this? me out a window. these weird staff in this place. It's just actually so easy to fix this situation. But, yeah, mm. but that's, there's a weird power imbalance where she doesn't feel like she has authority even though she oh. is Mrs. Dewinter. Yeah. yeah. And then through the fog, Maxim can be heard running across the grounds and towards the beach where the, the, the ship is. But remember, they haven't spoken since last night when the, mm. all the stuff went down. It turns out that a boat has run aground about two miles offshore and that divers have to be sent down to see if it can be freed. In the meantime, Maxim orders that his staff look after all the crew and they all come over and get fed and stuff. But soon a rather interesting development comes along. Oh, I wonder what Ooh. it is. The harbour master comes in and says that the, the divers, whilst down there, have found something. It's Rebecca's boat. <gasps> and what's more, they've found a body inside. 
which is alarming what? as Rebecca was alone that night and Maxim already identified her body as hers a couple of months after her disappearance. So they're wondering, whose body is this? Oh, my goodness. <gasps> is it my body? <laughs> it's another Rebecca. <laughs> oh, no, Rebecca's all the way down. Alone. Down to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> alone, the narrator goes to Maxim and holds him tight, apologises and asks if he's forgiven her. And he can't even remember that what he was mad at her over wearing the same dress as mm. the... He's, he's like, yeah, I was mad, but whatever. I mean, surely the news he's just received trumps the last yeah. night. He then asks her, how much do you love me? And when she doesn't respond, he says, it's too late, my darling. We've lost our little chance of happiness. She has no idea what he's talking about. And then he says, Rebecca has won. The narrator is still confused and he says, Oh, can I guess? Is that actually Maxim in the boat? No, that makes no sense. <laughs> That's Maxim? <laughs> Maxim that is my body in the boat. <laughs> I am a ghost. No, no, it's like, oh, maybe someone else took his place, but that makes no sense. It doesn't make sense at all. I'm a fake Maxim. <laughs> I'm a fake one, but all the staff are following him. Twi- I am twins. Twins. Identical twins. Oh, my gosh. One poor, one rich. <laughs> Yeah, I have no idea. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Okay, this is a quote from the book. He says, The woman buried in the crypt is not Rebecca. It's the body of some unknown woman, unclaimed, belonging nowhere. Brutal way to describe anyone. There never was an accident. Rebecca was not drowned at all. I killed her. I shot Rebecca in the cottage of the cove. I carried her body to the cabin, took the boat out that night and sunk it there where they found it today. It's Rebecca who's lying dead on the cabin floor. Will you look into my eyes and tell me that you love me now? End of chapter. Wow. What that, a strange that's gripping. confession. That's gripping. That is gripping. It is gripping, but also, like, it's so funny because there's no proof as to any of that happening. There's just a body. I feel like he could have got away with it pretty easy. No, but he's certain that they'll find rings and jewellery right. and stuff that makes makes them know that right, it, right, it is right, her. Right, 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 right. Oh, no, less about it being Rebecca, but it, it, anyone could have shot her. You know? Anyone, I know. But when oh, well. it, when someone's murdered, the suspect that you often look at, as Al said. Mm. I mean, not in those days, you probably didn't. You'd probably <laughs> be like, ah, oh, well, it looks like we won't be able to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, a woman murdered. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. We don't oh, care. No, All right, bye bye. Yeah. See you later. Well, in the next chapter, he explains his marriage to Rebecca, to his new wife. He says, I hated her, I tell you. Our marriage was a farce from the very first. She was vicious damnable, rotten through and through. We never loved each other, never had one moment of happiness together. Rebecca was incapable of love, of tenderness, of decency. She was not even normal. That sounds oh, no. That sounds like all Rebecca's were still on track. <laughs> yeah. The description the, yeah, all fits. This is checking out. This is checking out, I get it. He explains that on the surface she was incredibly charming, that everyone loved her, but no one knew what she was really like. Yep, that's the same as well. Look at me. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Don't leave me alone with her. It's okay. That's why you have three people. <laughs> he tells his new wife, I found her out at once, five days after we were married. You remember that time I drove you in the car to the hills above Monte Carlo? I wanted to stand there again to remember. She sat there laughing, her black hair blowing in the wind. She told me about herself, told me things I shall never repeat to a living soul. I knew then what I had done, what I had married. Oh. So that's why he had that little weird flashback moment because mm. he was imagining her. 
That he found out she was a terrible person or something. Yeah, like that he that, found yeah. out that she does really awful stuff. And uh, he's like, I wish I'd pushed her off the cliff then and there. He explains that on the hill in Monte Carlo, Rebecca made a deal with him to run his household and keep up appearances for the world. In fact, the reason that Mandalay is so beautiful now is she redesigned the garden. She did all these renovations. So she's fantastic at all that sort she's of so stuff. So pretty cool. She's so got far. a great eye for design. Yeah. yeah. There's no the denying costumes. that. And she's like, we'll make everyone jealous. We'll look like the perfect couple. But in exchange, behind closed doors, I can do whatever I want, have affairs, live my own life. And he's like, all right, deal. And that's how it was at first. She lived a secret second life in London. But over time, the affairs came closer and closer and threatened to derail the whole farce. She even tried to crack onto Maxime's friend, Frank, (gasps) his best friend. Frank told Maxime about her basically stalking him. And when Maxime told her to leave Frank alone, she disappeared to London for a month. She then tried to hit on his sister's husband, Giles, and Jack Favell, who... He's the guy who drove a sports her car earlier in the book and is her cousin. Yeah. Phenomenal. Well, it turns out they were having an affair too and they'd hook up a lot of the boathouse, even though he is her cousin. Ah. Yeah, right. What's well. going on? Okay. I don't want to judge. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like so far it's not really that bad. It's like she just wanted to be in sort of an open relationship and it's like, she's the devil, yeah. she's <laughs> Satan. I mean, she didn't sound like she was very nice to that horse, but otherwise. Yes. I think it's, it's kind of implied that she does other sort of sadistic stuff, but it right. never says what it is. Mm. Right. It's like when on, in Monte Carlo she told me about things she'd done, I'll never repeat to another soul. So I don't know. Torturing animals. Yeah, yeah it could like be that. that. Or it could just be like, yeah, I've had sex before marriage. Yeah. You never yeah. Yeah, I don't exposed know. my ankles to, <laughs> to a stranger. I once said a thought mm. that I had my Myself. <laughs> Jail. Fair. One night, Maxim confronted her at the boathouse about not keeping her end of the bargain and bringing her affairs from London to Manderley where they could be discovered and the whole perfect marriage could fall apart. He told her if she kept it up, he would divorce her, but she counted that on paper she looks like the perfect wife and there's no way he could prove the affairs and that Mrs Danvers would testify whatever she wanted because Danny loved her. She also bragged that the affairs would probably stop now anyway because she was pregnant with Jack Flavel's child. Oh, no. Who's her cousin? The cousin. Oh, no. Oh. Cousin. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And if she had a son, there's no way Maxim could prove it wasn't his baby and that he'd have to raise it as his own and one day the boy would inherit Mandalay, oh. which would destroy him, she says. So Sam Moripovich <laughs> wasn't around that yeah, yeah, day. Yeah. I mean, inherit it. After he dies, right? Yeah. 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 Well, whatever. That, that's not going to destroy me that much. <laughs> well, with this, Maxim broke down and then he pulled out a gun and shot her in the boathouse. <laughs> I thought you were trying to remember the word oh. face or something. Yeah. In no, the... no, I don't know where he shot her. But I feel like also it's so funny to be like, she's evil. She's sadistic. She d- does all these things. Anyway, I shot her. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like... Ah! Not even like a grappling for the gun or anything like that. He just sort of like... Kablamoed. He then, so she died. He then carried her body to the boat, locked it in the cabin, sailed into the ocean, put holes in the hull so it sank, then rowed back to shore on a small boat and no one ever saw him. I'm imagining a tinny, but it's not a tinny, is it? It's like a boat boat. It's probably like a wooden... Like a nice little boat. With wooden oars. But it's like a boat that can fit a smaller boat in it that you can row back in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the one that she drowned in. Yeah. Oh, I think it's quite big. It's got like yeah, a, like a it nice even had a boat. toilet. Oh, like a, yeah, like a proper boat boat. Okay. Yep. I don't know why I was picturing like a little, just a little thing. No, it's got a little just room just that he can, and he's locked her body inside, which also oh. looks sus because it's like, mm. why is she locked in? Yeah. Mm. That was. With a bullet wound. That was foolish of him. 
He then purposefully misidentified a body as Rebecca's and hoped that no one would ever discover the real corpse, but now they have. He's in deep, deep trouble. Whoops. Because they're going to find out that it's Rebecca and that he lied. So this is uh, a lot of info for our narrator to take on. Mm. Her husband murdered his last wife and all she can think is, quote, what did it matter whether I understood him or not? My heart was light like a feather floating in the air. He had never loved Rebecca. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because that was her obsession the whole time. Yeah. She's kind of like, you killed her? That means you didn't like her. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about this. She's not sounding that perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah, I can see, you know, and I can relate to that kind of like, you know, <laughs> that weird like you go, look, this is not the most important thing that's happening right mm-hmm. now, but I'm feeling lighter. Yeah. Do you know what? I thought you were going to say, like, I can also relate to that. You know, when you're working somewhere and maybe mm. there's someone that's rubbing you the wrong way. Yeah. And they're kind of being mean and you're not liking them very much. And then you're in a room alone with another person Mm -hmm. and then you have that moment where there's the and you suddenly just go, they're no good. You know, when you get that connection with someone, I get that. Do you know what? I understand it now when you're like, they're not good. When you find out that it's not just you who's getting hurt by this person. I get it. You get it. But I'm still on Rebecca's side. You're still on Rebecca's side. Yeah, I'm still on Rebecca's side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so the new wife. Unnamed. And embraces Maxim and tells her she'll stand by him. She says, we're the only ones who know the truth. All we have to do is say you accidentally misidentify identify the wrong body. And mm. then yeah. you know, play dumb, play cool. So it's soon discovered as it's suspected that the body belongs to Rebecca. So an inquest is called, headed up by a local magistrate called Colonel Julian. And it is all... <laughs> Slightly dodgy because the colonel comes around for lunch and explains, yeah, it seems like it seems pretty simple to me. Rebecca was sailing one night. She went below deck. The weather changed. She drowned inside the boat. This is this is my theory. But any inquest must be held because he's kind of like an old friend of Maxim's who's a very wealthy. I've been doing true crime podcast editing just before I came here and this is very similar to life. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty disappointing. I mean, not the having a nice cup of tea. But the, well, that's probably what happened. All right. Bingo boingo. Like, yeah, as far as I can see it. Wait, wait, the narrator? The, the narrator. Bingo boingo. boingo. yes. Hang on a second. Bing that's bong. Sorry, it was bing bong. Bingo. 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 Yeah, but yeah. bingo boingo is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Fortunately for Maxim, the body has been, you know, taken out of the boat, but no bullet was found in the skeleton. So he's clearly Ooh. where the bullet went, it went into a bit that didn't go into her bones. So now that's washed away in the ocean. So there's no evidence because she's been there for over a year yeah. that she mm. was shot. It looks like she drowned still. So pretty okay for him. Against his request, the narrator attends the inquest, which at first looks like an open and shut case of accidental drowning, until the man who designed and built the boat that she was on takes the stand. He says, I just couldn't understand how it could have sunk. So I took a look at the recovered boat and I saw what I think is evidence of deliberate holes being drilled in the hull. Oh, no. Oh, man, I was really hoping that this murderer was going to get off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with this, Maxim is again asked to take the stand, and this time he's asked questions about how happy his marriage is Mm. or was. It looks like the whole case is unravelling and our narrator collapses in the court. (gasps) Like just faints? She faints. Okay. It's very hot in there. Yeah. She's taken out of the room, but she's also overwhelmed. I always faint when it's hot. I, I love a faint. You can feel it coming on or does yeah, it just I can sudden, feel it. suddenly happen? I remember one in particular was <laughs> I, if I'm at um, shopping centres especially, 
Going from hot to cold? Oh, I will go. I'm done. Is that what that song is? I can feel it calling. I don't know what those words are. No, it's about oh, chocolate. No. Phil Collins. I think that is. Because then it goes. Like that. Is that them falling, falling down, down, the down the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a rumor that that song is about him witnessing someone drowning. Oh. There you go. Topical. Yeah, topical. Yeah. There we go, Phil. Fabulous but, Phil. Well, not really topical. She didn't drown. No, but everyone thinks that. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah. Then it is, it's, no. uh, it is topical. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I was trying to put holes in yeah. the topicality. No, no, no. Trying to you put got it. You no, got it. No, we got to put out the factual situation. Poking <laughs> holes in Heck. my story like he poked holes in that boat. Mm. Oh, Which this guy's just gone There we go. Now it's topical again. Now everyone's talking about it. Like, actually, maybe this isn't an open and shut case. Does, does it say how he tried to poke holes in the boat when he actually did it? I think he, like a crowbar or something like, or an axe. He just smashed, yeah, smashed holes in the bottom. Mm. Pretty sure I remember that's what it said. I guess if it looks like the, it comes from the inside out, yeah, it's worse. For mm. Yeah. Yeah, it looks bad. Oh, we hit some rocks inside the cabin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they might have had those fun, like, crystals and things around the cabin. That's true. That's how yeah. you could hit some rocks if they oh, all yes. fell down. Some emerald fell down. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the stalactites fell yeah. down yeah. from the ceiling. Yeah. So the narrator is driven home by Frank and the narrator, because remember she passed out, Frank drives home, and she's certain that Frank also knows the truth, but she, of course, can't talk to him about it just in case he doesn't know mm. that Max killed Rebecca. Mm. But she's like, she gets a feeling that, that Frank knows everything. The case continues with her at home and it's a long day until finally the news comes through that the inquest has now ruled Rebecca's death a suicide. Oh, it looks like Maxim has gotten away with murder. They're like, I guess she went out there that night and put holes in her own boat. No, no. And they can't place anyone near anyone because no one else was seen near the boat that night. So I think, I guess, you know, she just drowned herself. But Maxim looks like he got away with a murder. That night, Maxim attends a local church service where Rebecca's real body is buried. Mm-hmm. And the narrator is at home with Frank when Rebecca's cousin slash lover... Jack Flavel appears. Mm. He's drunk and in a foul, foul mood. He claims that he knows Rebecca's death wasn't a suicide and that he has proof. He pulls out a letter that she wrote to him on the day that she died and it says, I'll spend the night at the cottage and leave the door open for you. I've got something to tell you and I want to see you as soon as possible, Rebecca. And he adds, that's not the sort of note you write when you're going to commit suicide, is it? Mm. Well, he was out when the letter came in and didn't receive it until 4 a.m. and he decided not to drive to Manderley until it was too late. And he also feels very guilty. Right. But Maxim returns home and Jack Flavel blackmails him, asking him for a nice payment. Otherwise, he'll go to the colonel and hand over the letter, which he sees as evidence that it wasn't suicide. Frank suggests that Maxim pay up. But Maxim refuses and instead grabs the telephone. This is a real power move. He calls Colonel Julian and says, I need you to come by immediately. There's new evidence in the case. And uh, when the colonel comes by, Maxim reveals that Jack Flavel is trying to blackmail him. Flavel contends that Rebecca's death wasn't a suicide or an accident. He says that Maxim should be arrested for murder. 
He contends that he and Rebecca were lovers and that they planned to one day marry and that Maxim killed his wife out of jealousy, which is kind of the yeah, truth. Yeah, that is mm. the truth. I yeah. feel like it was such a move. In in the olden days when someone's like, I've got this letter, it's proof, you go, let me have a look at it, and then you just get rid of it. It's so weird. It's yeah. what a simple Oh, yeah, what no letter? No going to have taken a photo on their phone. Yeah, you, just grab it and throw okay. it in the fire. Mm. But to... I mean, it does make sense to do that, but I would have been like, I wouldn't have said he's trying to blackmail me. I would have been like, he was sleeping with my wife and they've got in a try. I would have gone that far. I like, tried to blame him. Yes! He killed my wife. Yes! Mm. Well, the colonel asks Maxim if it's indeed true that Flavel was having an affair with his wife, to which he responds, it's the first I've heard of it. Oh, well, that. come on, man. Get it together. Well, Flavel says that he can prove that there was an affair and that they were going to get married and demands Mrs. Danvers come in. She's asked about the affair and admits that that part is true, but they weren't going to get married. She says, quote, lovemaking was a game with her, only a game. She told me so. She did it because it made her laugh. It made her laugh, I tell you. She laughed at you like she did at the rest. I've known her to come back and sit upstairs in her bed and rock with laughter at the lot, lot of you. That's got to hurt the ego. <laughs> yeah. yeah, after she banged you, she thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Oh. She just laughed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that was so, so oh. much. Oh. Well, probably the orgasms weren't as good as <laughs> yeah. the old ones. <laughs> you just said we were going to get married and the, the housekeeper's coming and said, no, she wasn't. She thought you were a joke. <laughs> How bad would you oh. feel? Oof. Yeah. Oof. You were here fighting this woman's honour. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, you're trying to yeah. defend her. <laughs> but one thing Mrs Danvers does remember was that her mistress kept a diary and that they can see what she had planned that day and maybe that could give a motive for her actions. Mm. So they look at her appointment book and on the date of her death they see that she had an appointment in London with a doctor called Baker who was a women's specialist. Colonel Julian decides... It's too late to interview the doctor now, but tomorrow himself, Maxim, the narrator, and cousin Jack Flavel will convoy down to London to interview the man and try to get to the bottom of what happened that day. It's a very strange police investigation involving all the suspects. Yeah, it's very- <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, Flavel goes, can I come too? I don't trust you. And he goes, all right. All right, come, come on. with me. Everyone. 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 Why not spend more time with a guy I detest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that night, Maxim and his second wife, the narrator, Talk of how they think the game is up. Surely this women's doctor will testify that Rebecca was pregnant, like she said, and that will give motive for Maxim to have murdered her, which let's not forget, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the next day they take the long drive to London in two cars, Flavel's on his own following, and um, Maxim, his wife, and the colonel are in the other car. And eventually they find Dr Baker who gives over his Patient notes, but he can't find a patient called Rebecca De Winter that day. He's like, never heard of that name. But he does have a woman down for that day who called herself Mrs. Danvers. So she was using her housekeeper's name as an alias. Right. He goes over his notes and he's like, oh, I do remember that woman, yeah. Uh, the woman came to see him and he discovered that she had inoperable cancer. Oh. <gasps> And that he told her that over the coming weeks she would be in more and more pain and that in only a few months she would die. She, he told her she only had a few months to live that she was going to be in a lot of pain. He also remembered, this is a convenient note, that she had a misshapen uterus and that she was unable to have children. So when she told oh, so she lied. Maxim that she was pregnant, she was lying. Ooh. And that 
Evidence is enough for the Colonel to accept that Rebecca did have a motive to end her own life, and that's the end of the case. <laughs> he claps Good his job, hand together. police. You've done it again. Jack Flavel is shocked by the news and says, This cancer business, does anyone know if it's contagious? Oh. And God. then they're like, Piss off, you dickhead. <laughs> and he sort of walks away. Also, I love he comes in. He's like, I was sleeping with my cousin. And also she thought it was a joke. What's he doing now? He's yeah. he's, he's ruined. Yeah, that's the confidence. It's confidence. That, was yeah. a, that was a bad two days for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I hate this. Ugh. So that night Maxim and the narrator drive back towards Mandalay. They stop off at an inn on the way intending to spend the night and they have a meal and Maxim says, I believe that Rebecca lied to me on purpose. The last supreme bluff. She wanted me to kill her. She foresaw the whole thing. That's why she laughed. That's why she stood there laughing when she died. That's a cool way to go out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's someone's YouTube and you're just laughing. Yeah, I'm cool with it. That's a power move. That is a yeah, power absolutely. move. I mean, it's, you know, she's she sounds like she's a real psychopath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, in a cool way. Yeah, in a cool yeah, way. Yeah, cool way. Like, though. She's badass. Yeah, she's badass. No, but like I think that this, this is probably just a book about a psychopath and that mm. we are, they didn't know how to diagnose it at the time as a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. Well, after dinner, Maxim calls Frank, his right-hand man at Mandalay, to tell him what's happened in London. He's like, I'm off scot-free. And Frank tells him that, oh, that's strange, Mrs. Danvers has disappeared. She's not, I called her in for her duties and everyone said, no, I hope no one can see her, so she's gone off the face of the earth. Having a bad feeling, Maxim decides to keep on driving through the night to make it quickly back to Mandalay. Our narrator naps on the back seat having bad dreams about Mandalay. Mm. In the dream, she looks in the mirror and sees Rebecca and Maxim starts brushing her hair, which is creepy. Yeah. Yeah. She wakes up and it's 2 a.m. and she says, it's funny. It looks almost as though dawn was breaking over there beyond those hills. It can't be, though. It's too early. But as they drove, it got lighter and lighter. It's in the winter you see the northern lights, isn't it, she said. Not in summer. Uh-oh. That's not the northern lights, he said. That's Mandalay. Oh, no. It's on fire. It's on fire. Oh. And the final line of the book is, The road to Mandalay lay ahead. There was no moon. The sky above our heads was inky black. But the sky on the horizon was not dark at all. It was shot with crimson, like a splash of blood, and the ashes blew towards us with the salt wind from the sea. The end. Wow. That's fun. Yeah. I like that. And then we can only assume that from the start of the book that they mm. never went back to Manly, that they drove away and went to Europe and started yeah. that whole new life where they read cricket scores and she has bad dreams. So they, their <laughs> life was kind of fine. They had no real consequences from No, he's murder. still fabulously wealthy. Oh, my goodness. He just doesn't want to see anyone who knows. No. Yeah, knows I guess anyone. he did lose that house unless he... Yeah, yeah. that house seemed pretty cool. Yeah. And he lost great staff. Mm. Yeah, that's <laughs> they right. should have fired, didn't fire after the window incident. No. Or mm. the costume incident. And she incident. disappeared. I remember at the start of the book she's wondering, I wonder where Mrs Danvers is now, but we don't know. Mm. Well, she obviously lit the fire. I feel like yeah, that's it, I think it's yeah. implied. I think yeah. that she lit the fire and then disappeared. But what about old Frith? It's the only job he's ever known. Oh, that's oh, right. No. So wait, when she said that she used to know... Uh, Rebecca when she was really young. Yep. Does that mean that she had been like her house? Like her yeah, so care? she looked after Rebecca, who also comes from a very well-to-do, prestigious yeah. family, and then she married Maxim and they moved together and then she sure. started running the household, but she'd known 
her since she was a very young mm. girl. I got to say, when you mentioned the guy who was looking for clams on the beach, I'm like, this is going to be that thing that's going to come back. And I kept remembering and I'm like, it's going to be something about clams. He did come back. I didn't mention him again. He oh. did come back because he, that was another sign actually that Rebecca wasn't a nice person because right. she mistreated the guy oh. with a learning difficulty, threatening him, mm. to threatening to te- send him to a mental asylum if he didn't oh. leave her alone. Um, yeah, okay, maybe she's not so good. Yeah, she wasn't so good. So no. that, there was a, there's a few other things in there that I sort of glossed over a little mm. bit. And he was brought in to give evidence by Jack Flavel when he said, oh, I know, someone who probably saw her that night was Ben, the, mm. the local man who always hangs around the beach. And then Ben came in, but, you know, he doesn't speak very well, so he was yeah. on the spot. He didn't give any evidence. Mm. And Jack was really mean to him, was like, speak, you idiot. Tell, uh. tell her what you saw, but mm. he can't speak properly, so... Mm. Well, I so I, I didn't leave that bit in, but no, he but did, that, did that come is back. representative. He's no good. Oh, I just thought it was going to be some sort of clam import export <laughs> no. thing. I was no, like, but you're right. She's but running it, an import export business of clams out of the boat shed. I've solved it. <laughs> but one thing that I really love about this book, and I thought the writing was great, was the section where I think she says something like, um, "Just like that, the 3D puzzle of Rebecca came into light when Maxim starts describing what she's really like." Mm. And she has a bit of a flashback of all this and she sort of puts the bits together mm. of hearing that she thrashed a horse, hearing that she was mean to this disabled man, a few other things that she's heard about her and she goes, huh, I'm seeing who she really is now because she's mm. had this big this mm. vision throughout the whole book of how perfect yeah. Rebecca is, mm. constantly comparing herself to her and then suddenly, and it was very well done where it's sort of written out not as dot points but just little moments mm. that you put together, kind of like a crime show when they have the flashback of what, what really happened that night, mm. you know, when they, mm. they show what happened in the cabin mm. yeah. and you find out like, you know, on like CSI or something. Yeah. I, thought that, I thought that bit was really well done. Yeah, that sounds... I, Look, out of, I feel like this sounds like a good book. It is. I'm, I really. I'm and another thing that I found uh, tricky about it was, we are talking about the murderer getting away with it, but I was kind of rooting for him to get away with it. <laughs> no, of course. Asked, yeah. Yeah. Well, she doesn't sound like a good person, but also doesn't that justify murder? Maybe. Yeah, like that's the yes, thing that's, is that that's difficult. Oh. It challenges you a bit. Yeah, mm. because she isn't nice and she doesn't do nice things, but. None of them are worthy no. of getting no, being killed shot for. in cold blood. Yeah. yeah. Like she just goes off and has sex with people and laughs at them. Yeah, like it's like she's not someone I want to be in friends private. with. No. Yeah, not someone I want to be friends with, but like it's not like there was a struggle and the gun went off. He mm. just shot her. You I know? Just, yeah. Like that's not really you can't excuse yeah. that with anything. No. But I still felt myself going like, Oh, I hope he gets away with it and gets to live with it. Because you do like the other narrator. Mm. You feel of course. you want her to be happy. I just feel like everyone could have had a conversation going like, all right, we're divorcing, firing you, mm. cheerio. Yeah. And then the nice house would still be around. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Then be this, this, book, this book often gets compared to Jane Eyre, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jane Eyre, but it's a similar story where a, a younger woman marries an older man, an older, very wealthy man, and the woman comes from a very uh, impoverished background and you feel sorry for her and you love the lady but the man she marries is an awful pig. Mm. And it's also the, the second marriage. Yeah. So people often say this is like Jane Eyre for the 20th century. Yeah. Mm. So there's a lot of things like that. So, And I found myself rooting for the girl in a similar way and being like, well, I guess if the man makes you happy, I guess you should meet it, even though you yeah. hate the guy. Mm. But there's also this kind of thing where it's like, well, this thing kind of just fell in your lap. Uh, you know, like she didn't have to do anything to get this wealth to kind of be, you know, uh, to be this man's wife. So in, in 
really in the end it doesn't matter if it just kind of goes away like she can probably actually be entitled to quite a bit of money <laughs> yeah. If, yeah if the relationship does break up and so i don't know there was a part of me that was like well you could just end this and probably do all right and then you're just like you're 10 times better off than you were before you met this guy. Yeah, she's kind of got really no backbone at mm. all that she's like, well, he loves me. The murderer loves yeah. me. Yeah. That's kind of sad. It's Yeah, I wish she had a bit more agency to go, oh, the murderer loves me. I'm going to get his money and then I will keep the house mm. by Mrs. Danvers. Oh, so you would have liked that ballroom it into a ball pit. If she murdered the murderer. I feel like that would have been fun. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a fun spin? Because then I think that's actually kind of justifiable, but only maybe if he's like, I'm going to get you too, and then she's like, Pacow, you know? Yeah, but I think I also do know like some people who are like that in their early 20s. They're just kind of desperate to be loved and they feel like it's difficult to be loved mm. and then and they'll do anything in a relationship to make someone happy and then later on, They'll realize that that was a mistake, and that's how people took advantage of them, or that they ended up in you know in a ten year relationship where they weren't happy because yep. all they cared about was mm-hmm. making the other person happy so that they didn't leave, you know. So I can see how this is, you know, it's part of a bigger story about this narrator <laughs> who eventually might. Well, obviously she doesn't because she's very happy with him now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know where where she could have eventually realized the errors of her ways, and she didn't need to hang out with a murderer and blah blah blah. Mm. But she she does feel like she has, like, even at the start of the book, she looks back and laughs at how much of a pushover she was. So she feels like she yeah. has grown as mm. a person. I don't know if that's correct. In some ways. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that classic narrator going, well, I've assessed this situation. You're like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Can we trust you? Can yeah, we trust you? It's kind of like how somebody feels when they leave a cult and they're like, I've grown so much. They've taught me so much. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a much, much better place. Now I don't see my awful family who love me. Uh, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I'm just, I'm in a, I've really grown. Now, both of you are onto it. You both thought something sus was going yeah. on with Rebecca and I, but I must say that I think it's, it is seen as a bit of a twist mm. and that he is the murderer. And I didn't see it coming mostly because in the book it's famous for for Rebecca being a character. And anytime I read like a one-sentence synopsis of this, it always talks about because it's listed as a gothic novel, mm. one of the most famous gothic novels of this time, and the fact that the Rebecca seems to be haunting the house. Yeah. And I took that literally and I thought it was going to be more supernatural than that. Sure. But it's this the idea and the memory of yeah. her. So I was more shocked that it was more of like a crime mm. tale than a than a gothic, like supernaturally type tale. You got spooked out by a, a lack of a ghost. Yeah, I was like, what the heck? This freaked me out. <laughs> Get the ghost. That could like, happen in my life. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It was too realistic. Oh, my God. I, I bet you when when the, the housekeeper was like, I wonder if she's watching us now, you're like, yes, Yes, finally. exactly. I thought this, is, this is it. I knew it. I knew it. But no, turns out that it was just a a true crime or well, not a, a fictitious crime novel. <laughs> but the only thing left to do is to score it out of five, which we always do. Beck, mm. Al, what are, you, what are you thinking? I feel like you liked some elements of it at least. Oh, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. It's not not because I disagree with the character's choices that I, I disliked it. I would give it a four and a half. Four and a half out of five. That's a good mm. score. Yeah. It's my name. Five out of five. Five please. out of five. I can't. I can't vote down a Rebecca, especially one with who's so tenacious. Mm. I would describe this character as tenacious as heck. <laughs> so a five out of five. Five out of five. It's a good book from Rebecca for like Rebecca. It's a fun, twisty, turny. I kind of wish that uh, you know, back in high school where you had to inevitably you would have one of these books that you would have to study for like, mm. literature and stuff. 
we always studied a lot of Jane Austen, which is good, but. Not enough murder in Jane That's Austen. That's more fun. That's a fun story. It is fun. It's very interesting. And I'm going to give it also a five out of five. Whoa. I really enjoy this, especially after the twist where you realise I, I think I stayed up till something like two or three in the morning that night. Yeah. Because uh, I was like, I've got to find out what happens here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, you know, I was reading a couple of chapters before bed. I was going to put it down and he's like, I killed her. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I couldn't put it down. Loved it. It's a, it's a great book. Great. Highly recommend it. And thank you to everyone that suggested it because clearly a lot of people it speaks to or they've heard a lot about it and they needed me to talk about it <laughs> you so know, they don't have to bother. But there's also like a weird politics in this where it's like it really is like a woman who wants to just live her own kind of life where she's free and the only way that she can do that is through having a husband and then like uh, then live this kind of secret life. Yeah. But then also right? she had cancer so she was going to die anyway. It sounded like she wanted him to kill her so that she could then just, you know, he could have a bad time after. Yeah, yeah like, he's he's like basically frame him for yeah, a crime he is committing. That's, mm. so f- I, that's fun. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, Apart yeah. from the bad stuff she did. Yeah, I mean, she's sadistic. She's a sadistic. Like and does that make you feel less bad about the crime, the fact that she was dying anyway? I feel like maybe uh, that's the, the mm. writer trying to make you feel less bad about yeah. it. Yeah, I think She was going to die a painful death. But um, I feel like it's still uh, that's still a murder right there. Yeah, I know. Anytime you try, no matter what different way I try to look at it, I'm always like, but at the end of the day, he shouldn't have shot her. Yeah, he should not have done that. I think that makes you a good person, Dave. Thank you. (laughs) But that's why I found it great because it was challenging. Because I was like, why do I want him to get away with it? Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. A true pleasure to have you both. David. Talking about, talking <laughs> about Rebecca. David, what a joy it was to get to be here and hear you narrate this book to us. As soon as I picked this up, Beck, I knew I had to have you on this episode. You had mm. to. Well, it's uh, this episode has my name on it. Exactly. Yeah. I knew. It would be weird if I wasn't here. Tell me when you knew that you, I had to be on this episode. <laughs> Almost straight away. Really? Wow. Just, oh, that's nice. Sometimes you just know. Yeah. yeah. As soon as the murder was revealed, I was like, Al's going to have some things to say about Al's, oh, yeah. Al's a murderer. Got to yeah. get him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Al murders. So if he, he had could... any guts, he would be a murderer. Because then he could take everyone's wives. Yeah, take no, wife. husbands. Because the husbands wives are dying. So you're taking the husbands. I would take either. <laughs> <laughs> take what you can get. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take anything. Well, before we go, one last time. Shows at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Remind us what they're called and where they Alistair are. Alistair Trombley Virtual, no relation. It's happening at the Trades Hall. Uh, starting at the end of March all the way through to like the 23rd of April. It's at 6.30 p.m. Tickets are on sale now. Just put my name into Google and put Comedy Festival in there and you'll find it. It'll It'll come come up. Fantastic. Beck? Mary. It's a story. It's about Christmas. It was about a bad one. But also I think it's just going to be about Christmas in general. If you like Christmas, come along. If you don't like Christmas, also come along. There's <laughs> something for everyone. There's something for everyone. Yeah. Uh, and it's a Campari house and it starts March 27, which is a little bit before the festival. So That's right. We Because I'm also at Campari house at the same time as you, the first couple of weeks of the mm. festival. And we start on a Monday. The yeah. festival doesn't kick off till Wednesday, so... Come to those first couple of shows because they're not advertised as well as the others. And also, I feel like Campari House is going to be a good place to be. There's so many of there's me, there's you, Laura Davis, Laura Davis, Mish Whitrip, mm. uh, Mel Glenzie, I think. Is Mel McGlenzie on yeah, Campari? Yeah, yeah, there's, so, there's so many good people there. You can just come along and have a good night out and stick in the same place. And there's a McDonald's close by. Love that McDonald's. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I also directed uh, Melissa McGlenzie's show. It's a. Uh, 
where she basically plays cool. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the former yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, sort of a media person for Trump. And uh, Trump's coming back into into the news now, and you'll want to hear what Melissa has to say. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So, yeah, tickets to all those shows, comedyfestival.com.au. And I'm also, if you're in Adelaide, doing three shows in Adelaide, the Fringe Festival. Oh, that's so exciting. Yay. That's at the start of March. So come to the world premiere. Hey, thanks so much for joining me. And until next time, as I always say here, books forever. Yay. Yay. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.